I don't care if it's a week, two, four, six, seven, eight. Who do we appreciate? LeBron James. That's who y'all got to start, start appreciating. And you got to stop disrespecting this man. You got AJ Brown, who's a legit number one. And you got Julio, who's a legit number one. One of them dudes got to get double teamed. Who going to get double teamed? And whoever gets double teamed, the other one gets the ball. For saying this with no pun intended, but full of pride. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Prideful Takes Podcast. As always, it's your boy Pride, and I've been waiting for this Friday for a while. The man, the myth, the legend himself, Joe Aguirre, ladies and gentlemen. That's right in my hand. Oh, my God, it's that guy. How you doing, Joe? I'm very excited to be here. I'm so glad, and I'm excited to have you here. I am a Red Sox fan through and through. If you cut my – we're talking baseball. You cut my blood, yarn will come out. Like, you come in, yarn's going to come out. That's how deep I am. I understand you are a Yankees fan. And now the debate is coming up. The Yankees somehow turned it around. I will admit it. Congratulations to them. But now they hold yep. the top, the top, top seed in the wild card, in the whole wild card thing, right? We are tied, the Boston Red Sox. We are tied with the Mariners for the second, um, for the second wild card spot. And right under us, with just one game behind, which cool lost a very important season against the Yankees, the Toronto Blue Jays. Each team has three games left. Question I'm posing to you, Joe. Which two teams are going to keep and have a lock on the two remaining wildcard spots? I think it's going to be the Yankees and the Red Sox. And, and I think that would be super cool. Uh, and I and I like that, you know, they'll play at Yankee Stadium. I think that's what what the fans see. And I'll tell you what, right now, the way the Yankees are playing, I don't know that it's going to matter uh, who they stack up against. The team is on fire. The pitching is great. The bullpen's got it all back together. Uh, the, the hitting's been phenomenal. Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge, I think the two of them can carry this team to the far reaches of the playoffs. But I'll tell you what, and and I'm, I'm I said this earlier and I'll say this again, if you're a Red Sox fan, you should feel really good about this. Even if they don't make the, and I think they're going to do it, but even if they don't, you're going to, this is a rebuilding year where you were supposed to be fourth in the AL East. Mm-hmm. And you, you led that division for a while, even. I mean, it was, you know, I, I, I knew the Red Sox wouldn't be able to withstand it. I'm surprised they're still hanging. And I'm really pulling. I hope they do it. I really do. I'd love to see Yankees and the Red Sox. I think that would be, um, and I know Fox feels the same way. It would be the best case scenario. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Now, first and foremost, I, I, I'm I, not a fan of the New York Yankees. I despise them with every fiber of my being. I'm on record saying this. If New York was on fire, there's only one man I'm saving, and that's Jacob DeGrom. And the only reason I'm saving Jacob DeGrom is because he's not in pinstripes. Well, he is, but a different kind. But at the end, if you really look at it, the Yankees, I'm nervous for the Yankees because they are on fire, but they are now facing their Achilles heel in Tampa. And that's kind of where I'm, I'm a little nervous for them. You know, at the same time, Tampa has everything all, all wrapped up. So there's really no need for them to come out and sweat the game out because they have home, home field advantage for the rest of the AL, AL playoffs. So it's not like it's not like you know whatever they can do it'll be you know a whole thing. I know the Mariners we're tied with them. 
they're playing the Angels, which I don't I don't think Shohai is going to pitch. So I don't know how the Angels are really going to fare. Again, that's another team that the Angels are really out of contention. So they're not really going to be really trying. And then Toronto is playing the Orioles, who obviously they're not even close to contention, uh, contention at all. But the or the, the Toronto's gonna have to sweep, and I, I, I see them winning two one. I I could see that, but in terms of sweep, I just don't see it. I don't I I don't know. I just feel like they're gonna have one game where their bats get cold, which is usually what happens when in a series. Like you know, sometimes when the worst team wins, the, for the whoever's the better team, the bats just got cold. The pitcher really wasn't there. That happens, you know. So I I don't see Toronto sweeping at all. Um, we play uh, the Nationals, the Red Sox. We play the Nationals, who are completely rebuilding. So that's really the only reason why I feel like we'll be okay. Because, yeah, we're playing a team who I don't want to say they're bad, but, Joe, but they're bad, right? So it's like I'm, I'm okay with that. Seattle's playing an okay team in the Angels. So, I mean, you know, maybe they have an opportunity. Then, obviously, the Blue Jays are playing a horrible team, but again, to sweep them. And again, not only do they have to sweep, they have to hope that the Yankees lose and Boston loses too, you know, or, or the Yankees and Seattle or Boston, like the few, the, you know, they don't really control their destiny. You know, it's kind of like us. If we win, we're okay. If you guys win, you're okay. And same thing kind of with Seattle. I mean, us to a lesser degree, because we also kind of have to hope Seattle loses, but Toronto has to not only handle their business, but they need to hope and pray that a whole bunch of other dominoes fall in their favor. And I will say this about the Yankees. I feel like the reason they were able to snap out of it was because they got Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo. Now, I'm not saying that specifically because of the whole of the whole like how they're playing thing. Joe, if you remember, I said the way this this team is playing, they needed a shot. They needed a move to be made so that way everyone could understand. When they made that move, it's almost as if the whole team was like, not only do we need to cut it off, but I kind of saw Aaron Judge play a little looser. He hasn't really, you know, it's almost like him and John Carlos Stanton. There's really not that much pressure on them because how they've been playing them the whole the whole year. If you can if you can neutralize those two, we'll sleep good at night. But now you got Joey Gallo, who yes, he does strike out, but he can still he can still put the ball in play. Anthony Rizzo, who's a, a premier first baseman offensively and defensively, I feel like those two guys help. So even if they played a little bit below average, I just feel like the acquisition of them kind of shut a shock to everybody where they were like, we need to step up. And before I let you go, um, Joe, I got a comment. Jose Roman, he said, Red Sox are cold. I don't see them sweeping. I don't think think we'll sweep I do see two a uh, two one I I genuinely do um I don't maybe I'm bugging but again it's the Nationals who, who were just who, who are blowing everything up right 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 now Joe uh, um I I again I think the Red Sox are gonna be fine I think they're they think they're gonna win the requisite two games to get in here Yankees will win their one game here's an interesting thing because you brought up the Yankees nemesis you, you were talking about the Tampa Bay Rays. Let's talk about how identical these two teams are. Batting average, 239 for the Yankees, 241 for Tampa. ERA, Yankees, 371, Tampa, 370. 
home runs. Yankees 221, Tampa 216. It, it's it's frightening on base, 324, 320. It, it's it, it's the Yankees problem against Tampa is one thing, and it's one thing only. It comes down to fundamentals. It comes down to an error here, an extra out there, an earned unearned run here, and that's what spells the Yankees. The Yankees have played in 88 games decided by two runs or less. It's the most games like that in baseball. They have was, the highest winning percentage and the most wins. And so top two the, this Yankee team's not a bashing team. It's starting to become one. You know, right. that was this, never the reputation. Yeah, like, this past month, it's you know, we've seen multiple five home run games from this lineup. Here's let me tell you what Gallo and Rizzo did for the Yankees. It that those acquisitions served to function as two things. Number one, we're all in. Yeah. In sell. Number two, the Yankees 27 championships have all come with at least two right-handed power bats. Mm-hmm. They've never not had that and won a World Series. And this lineup didn't have that. The other thing this lineup had was Luke Voigt at first and Brett Gardner in the outfield. Both solid players. Obviously, Luke Voigt led the uh, major leagues in home runs last year. Brett Gardner, the the remaining holdover from the Yankees' last World Series. Those guys aren't exactly scare people. You know, you, you look at a lineup now where... You know, there was never a reason to bat anybody in between Stanton and Judge. And for some reason, Aaron Boone's always done that. You want to put Anthony Rizzo or uh, Gallo in, in the middle of that? Yeah, all right. That I'm fine with, especially yeah. if somebody's hitting behind them. The The Yankees lineup is deep, and that's been the, the best part of it. The other thing about Joey Gallo is because he's he hasn't really – he's hit a lot of home runs for the Yankees, but he hasn't really hit. He right. has walked a ton, and he's hit some clutch home runs. He has some big hits for him. Um, but that's that's been the thing about this lineup. Stanton and Judge are striking out about on par with what they normally do. Not more, mm-hmm. not less, just about where they're supposed to be. Um, Gary Sanchez. And you know how I feel about the Kraken. Yep, I know how you I feel. I mean, he's, he has persevered. He's put together a really good season. He's had some woes behind the plate, but for the most part, he's been able to buckle down, and that was important. I said earlier in the year, look, if, if Gary Sanchez doesn't get right, this team's not going to get right. This team's not making the postseason with Kyle Agashioka behind the plate. Just not. That's not how baseball works. There's no way. That guy can't be an everyday catcher. Whoa, whoa. Listen, a few years back, the Yankee Yankee fans were fantasizing about Austin Romine. He should start more. And then Gary strained his groin, and we saw a month worth of, worth of Romine, and that 300 batting average was yeah. 180 in, in about a 30-day span because that's not, a, that's not a guy who can go out there every day and do it. Gary Sanchez yeah. is a special player. He's one of he those is. guys – you know, and there's only a handful of them in baseball that go out there, give you 130 games behind the plate, can can put the ball in the seats and produce. And he's one of those guys. Yeah, this is the other thing. You know, when the Yankees got Giancarlo Stanton, I remember thinking, you already have Aaron Judge. Why do you need a more expensive version of this guy? And if you look at the two guys together, uh, 
the numbers are very on par. Judge is actually having a slightly better year than Stanton. But yeah, listen, when, when Giancarlo Stanton is healthy, he's the kind of guy who can carry a team on his back. People forget in 2018, guy played 150, I think 155 games that year, and he spent most of that season hobbled, only playing on one good leg, uh, and he and he carried the Yankees right into the postseason. Uh, I, I'm I've never been down on Giancarlo Stanton. It it stinks when he's hurt, but that's life. Yeah. Everybody gets hurt. Mike Trout gets hurt. Mookie Betts mm-hmm. gets hurt. Clayton Kershaw, gets Max Scherzer. These guys are always hurt. hurt all the time. Yeah. It's only when it's our guys where it's like, oh, this guy's always hurt. What a bum. Give yeah. me a break. Any Yankee fan who doesn't think Aaron Judge should get a contract commiserate with Giancarlo Stanton is out of their minds. Pair these guys off forever, oh, you know, until 2035 or whenever Giancarlo Stanton's contract ends. Right. They're they're great players, but this has been a great reminder. And Jose Roman, thank you for, for bringing that up. This has been a great reminder of what a great player Giancarlo Stanton is. And in this recent run of success by the Yankees, they won eight of nine. It's mostly been the the judge and Stanton show. Yeah, 100%. It has been for the most part. It's like, I will say this because you brought up Austin Romine. It's kind of funny. The only time I ever think about Austin Romine was when he thought he could beat up Joe Kelly and he got pieced up when he tried to charge him. Uh, 100%. I would say this in my dying, uh, to my dying breath. Joe Kelly won that fight. I don't care what anyone says. But what I do like about this team, and I, honestly, I hope they do this, right? I feel like they have a decent formula at catcher. And what I mean by that is, Joe, you know how in the NFL, right, the 49ers are doing it, the Eagles did it, where now you're, instead of having one running back, you're doing running back by committee, right? I feel like they should be trying to do this stuff, right? Like, you should be able to, like Kyle um, Higashioka, I'm, I'm higher on him than you are. And, I, you know, I, I'm not going to try to convince you that he's a tough, I'm, he's not JT Romuto, and I'm not going to try to pretend like he is, right? But I think he's solid enough where he can give you a couple good weeks here. Then you can put in Gary. And I feel like alternating them, I don't know. Maybe I'm bugging, but I feel like catch, uh, catching by committee, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I genuinely feel like that could be something that not only the Yankees can do, but a lot of other teams. Because, again, I'm, I'm going to say this again. I'm not saying Kyle Higashioka is all of a sudden going to be a top five catcher in baseball tomorrow. But he's still useful. And he can see, you know, whether or not it's behind the plate or offensively, he's still useful. And that, like, that's not a guy, kind of like Luke Voigt, right? Like, that's not a guy you have on your bench and you never expect to play him. You know what I mean? Like, that's a guy that it's like, okay, you know, we'll give you a couple, you know, a couple hits here. We'll give you a couple sessions. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm a little different on that. I do kind of like that thing. And on top of that, what I like about it is, like you said, sometimes Gary gets in his slumps, right? And sometimes what, what's been working with them, and when he's in his slumps, they take him out. And when they put him back in, instead of them yelling at him and saying, you're an idiot, they go, Gary, you're hitting a slump. Let's take him. Let's take a couple minutes. Let's breathe. We'll get Kyle a little bit of touches. Now you're feeling better, Gary. Okay, now let's put you in there. You play fantasy baseball? Say again? You play fantasy baseball? Occasionally. All right. Let me tell you something. The hardest part of fantasy baseball is after the first five catchers are off the board. Yes. Because pretty much everybody does catcher by committee because they have to. Mm -hmm. Because there's just not enough good catchers in baseball. Look, the Yankees are blessed with 
a guy like Kyle Gasioka, who who will and continues to catch Garrett Cole. The other day, what the Yankees did was, and I like this, Gasioka was the catcher, Sanchez DH'd, and Stanton played outfield. And so that way you can get you you don't have to lose Gary's bat. I I like when they do that. The other problem with your catcher by committee thing is you play fantasy football, yes? 100%, yes. Yeah. Undefeated, by the way. Undefeated. Yeah. Um, a year ago, I had on a fantasy team of mine, I had all of the 49ers running backs. And the problem was mm-hmm. you never got the right guy in the right week. Well, okay. Yeah. Okay. You know well, what I mean? Well, and that's, that's that's my problem with when when you're when you're playing a platoon or when you're when you're if you play a hot hand, you're playing somebody over somebody else, mm-hmm. you know, that guy's gonna hit a slump too. That's how that's how the sport works, right? And so right. I, I think you know, look, you you want an everyday guy back there. It, you want that one guy everybody can count on to have a good backup is priceless. To have a good and and you know. There's a you see it all around baseball. A lot of the aces will will prefer the backup catcher who's a better defensive catcher. Again, the Yankees have that with Kyle Gasioka, and I don't mind that. You mm-hmm. know, if that's what he's more comfortable throwing to for all the money he's getting, he needs to throw to that guy and not the other guy. Now, right, that's fine. I'll tell you this too. I'm so glad the Yankees aren't playing these three games in this dump of a stadium that you're showing on the screen right now, <laughs> because for some reason, and I don't know. I mean, you you obviously are are you watch Red Sox games when they play Tampa. Oh, 100%. it seems to me every time the Yankees play in Tampa, at some point, either a Yankee hits a home what should have been a home run that hits the catwalk and ends up oh. being a double, and it haunts them. Or it's always something happens with that dump of a stadium, and it's always to the Yankees' detriment. So. That's why I feel super confident going into this weekend. It's in the Bronx. They're playing really well. You know, again, they got off to a terrible start against Boston this year. Oh, and seven. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and to come back and, and, and finish the, the way they did. You got to feel good about that because it seemed like, wow, how come the Yankees can't be, it was one thing and they couldn't beat the Rays. It's the other thing and they couldn't beat the Red Sox. That didn't make any sense. Yeah, it didn't make sense, but it was a reality. And I just want to. Um, oh, it was. It was a great, great reality. <laughs> um, no I hate platoons. No player can get yeah. hot playing half the time. And my thing is, I understand that. But again, you're talking about it as if you have a JT, a Salvador Perez, a Yadier Molina. You guys, you know what I mean? Like, there's no, like, look, no matter which way you call it, there's no definitive starter on the Yankees. In terms of catching, which is why they no, keep alternating. 100% it's Gary Sanchez. Well, yeah, but uh, the organization couldn't tell me any better. You know what I mean? Like, And it, to, even to this day, they kind of still be switching up on him. Not to say that he's trash or anything. I'm, again, I'm not trying to say that. I'm I'm a Gary Sanchez guy. Like, I, I'm, I, I feel very dirty saying that because he's a Yankee. But I like him. I really do, and I support him. And I do believe he's the number one. But... If he truly was a number one, Kyle Higashioka really wouldn't be seeing that much time. The only time he would be catching would be exclusively for Garrett Cole. Because Garrett Cole would come out and say, yo, no, I like catching. Like, I like Kyle being my catcher. Which is, like you said, a lot of aces like running with the backup because even though the backup doesn't have a solid bat, defensively, 
they have a chemistry and they could do something. So I'm not saying that they should, that every team should do a catching by committee thing. I'm just looking at it as like, a you know, like depending on the situation you have, if you don't have a clear cut, whether it be the fans will think he's a clear cut or the organization doesn't feel like it's a clear cut, maybe catching by committee could be the thing. And in terms of not being able to get hot, I've never understood that because in baseball, it literally only takes one swing for you to all of a sudden get scorching hot. Like I'm not, like in football, yeah, you know, you got to get touches and you got to get acclimated to it. In basketball, you kind of got to see your shots going and you gradually get high. In baseball, that's not the case at all. Like the instant you make contact, all of a sudden you're scorching. Look at Juan Soto. Look at um look at look at Vladdy. Go look at Shohei Otani. Even Mike Trout when he's healthy, which unfortunately is hardly ever, but they they kind of they make contact and all of a sudden they're on fire, you know? So like me personally, whenever whenever I've heard, oh yeah, you know, you need to be able to see a lot of pitches to get off to to get hot or anything. Do you need to see some? Yeah. But it's not like you gotta see like two, like you know, like you don't gotta go see like 50, 60 pitches. You know what I mean? It, you only really gotta see about 10. And once you make contact, you're pretty much again, Joe. If I'm wrong, let me know. Check me, please feel free. But I feel like in baseball, once you get that good hit you're basically already on a roll before regardless if it's a single double triple or homer you're you're go, you know what i mean you're on fire yeah well i mean it, it really it's, it's about getting your timing down and for some guys yeah i mean you can you can get hot quick and that's the whole thing but I, I i think consistently playing you know i like i like having guys work their way out of a slump Mm -hmm. I I like when a pitcher loads the bases. I don't want you to take him out. Try to see if you can get I, out of it. I, I want him to get out of that. You got into it, you get out of it. And that's also how you find out what that guy's made out of. Yeah, um, uh, I don't think one swing can get you high to serve Chris Davis. That's completely different. Like, Chris Davis yeah. was was like, it, it, he, he was over. Like, Baltimore started him because they had no other options. Like they had nobody else really at first they could kind of like throw out there, right? Let me so, give you let me throw you an interesting theory real quick. I'd be ahead. curious your take and, and Jose, I'm glad you're watching. I'd love for you to weigh in as well. Here's the thing about Chris Davis, mm -hmm. right? White guy first baseman. Yeah. He's a free agent. Baltimore throws him a long-term deal for a ton of money. What do they do with Manny Machado? They send him packing. I'll be honest. Now. Now, hold on, hold Go on. Ahead. Not even no. because I, I can give you, I'll give you more examples. All right. All around baseball, you'll always see this. The Twins got rid of Justin Morneau so they could move Joe Maurer over to first base. White first basemen get preferential treatment in baseball. And here's the reason why. And this was crazy when the Cubs traded Anthony Rizzo. Dude, almost every kid in Chicago's favorite player is Anthony Rizzo. 100%. Every kid in Minnesota, the Joe Maurer. In Kansas City, it was, it was Mike Sweeney. In Colorado, it was Todd Helton. In <laughs> San Diego, it was Adrian Gonzalez. Which fit, because that's a that's a great Latino city. And he right. was a he actually was from San Diego. And and it's it's always been a weird thing to me where a team will always tie up that white first baseman at the expense of talented black and Latino players. It happens all the time. 
And and to my favorite example of where it went totally wrong was them investing in Chris Davis and then not being able to afford Manny Machado. I will say this before I give my thoughts on that, because that, that is kind of funny. I would have get, gotten rid of Manny Machado too. Not because he's horrible, but his entire stay in Baltimore, the guy was the definition of toxicity. Like the guy was, and honestly, I think it just had to do with losing. You know what I mean? Like, because I feel like if you're put in a situation where all you're doing is losing, you're going to get mad and you're not going to really, you're going to be toxic because I'm losing. You know, like if I, if, if I'm a player on the Minnesota Timberwolves, we are losers. I'm now referred to as a loser. I don't want that. If I play for the Marlins, I'm holding out because I'm, I'm a, the Pittsburgh Pirate. Like, so I, I feel like that's really what it was because after he got traded, when he went to the Dodgers, sure. He really wasn't that bad anymore in terms of like. Think about this culture. too. Think about this too. After the games, another loss, who'd they come talk to? Were they talking to Chris Davis? Nope, Machado. Or were they talking to Manny Machado? Machado, because they knew Machado was going to give them a reaction and it would give them something to talk about afterwards. But to touch on your point, I feel like the reason was because at that time, people, like, for instance, if I ask you, like, let's say, go, like, you know, five years ago, five, seven years ago, who was like the aces in the league, right? A lot of people would say Max Scherzer. A lot of people would go out and they would say Clayton Kershaw, right? Like those are the guys. Nobody, if you never lived in Miami, you never mentioned Jose Fernandez, who before he passed away was a, I don't care what anybody says, he was an elite pitcher. He was one of the best in the game. Maybe it's just me being. Maybe it's just me desperately looking for a guy that I kind of liked and I kind of liked his swagger and whatnot. And I, I was cool with him, you know. But most more times than not, and it's just because if you really look at it, when you think of baseball, who do you think of, Joe? Like, if I say baseball, who do you think of? Who do I think of? Yeah, who do you think of? Right now, I the first guy that pops into my head is generally Aaron Judge. So Aaron Judge, okay, so. Nowadays, now that we got guys basically like 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 you can you can say black because of a uh, uh, Jazz Chisholm because th- that kid is phenomenal. I really do like him. But not only that, but like a lot of minorities are kind of trying to you know come and take over and whatnot. Well, takeover is like the bad way of saying it. But you know now you're trying to you know you're seeing more. Now it's like the fans are starting to accept it because before if if you would say that. You know, guys, like, like a few years back, if um, – and, and here's another one. Uh, Adrian Beltay got let go for Kevin Euclid. Uh I know that's third, but it kind of fits that. Yeah, I mean, um, for uh, for the uh, Red Sox, yeah, we, we let him – which, honestly, I, that didn't bother me because I didn't think Adrian Beltre was really going to stay with us. You know, I, I've always felt like that, that deal was a rental, you know? Like, I never really thought he was really going to stay with us. So I was kind of like, you know, they kind of had a bad – you know, that's fine, but – when it comes to that theory, I always felt like when you hear baseball, like, for instance, if you hear, like, the three biggest sports, right, it's basketball, which people usually think African-American. It's football, which for some reason people consider football the melting pot. And then baseball was always considered white, which is weird to me because I've always considered baseball the melting pot because, you know, you, you got guys literally from Everywhere, like, like in the Dominican Republic, the Dodgers set up um, Campos, uh, Campos dos Palmas down there, and that's how they found Mike Piazza. 
You know what I mean? I'm like, yo, like they're they're setting up camps, like you know, in like third world countries, so to speak. So it's like I, I never understood the thing, but I just feel like nowadays, I feel like now people are starting to like accept that baseball is a true melting spot of the melting pot when it comes to the three sports. Um, but it's it's kind of weird you said that because like I've always thought some of that stuff was weird. I really did, but now like it's kind of crazy. Like when someone tells you. Oh yeah, listen to this. You kind of start putting the pieces together. You're kind of like, huh? I can't believe I really missed that. You know, like I really can't believe yeah. I missed that. It's something that that I've noticed. Uh, it started. It it seems to me in like the late '80s, and it never. It was just one of those things that never seemed to go away. And yep. I just, I just thought it was, I thought it was a weird thing. And and again, you you just saw time and time again where team like the Orioles invested in the white first baseman and uh and would let a uh, talented uh, minority player go I, I've never understood that yeah I've never understood that either but I, I want to talk about the greatest quarterback to ever grace God's green earth Tom who Patrick but what now nah, it's all about Mac Jones baby I don't care what anybody says I be- I believe in this kid and I feel like I'm forcing myself Tom Brady's returning to New England and with him coming back, a lot of people are saying, man, Bill Belichick messed up and letting him go. Matt Jones isn't that guy, et cetera, et cetera. For some unknown reason, I guess it's Matt Jones' fault that, you know, that that, that the, right now we're in a slump. I guess it's Matt, Matt Jones' fault. But, Joe, how do you think Matt Jones' future with the New England Patriots, which I am on record of saying is a great organization in God's green earth, how do you think his future with this organization and also Bill Belichick will play out? So I, I had an interesting exchange, and I think you were part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was laughing the whole time. In a messenger group. I was in uh, tears. I've been extremely hot, and I'm a Giants fan, and I want everyone to understand that I'm a New York Giants fan, and I'm not particularly a big fan of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Last year, we were doing our college football show, and the question was, was and, and people forget this, and it was definitely helped uh, with the COVID thing, but there was some question whether Mac Jones was going to be the starter at Alabama last year. Bryce Young, the five-star recruit who's starting this year, some thought he might beat Mac out for the job. Mm-hmm. And Mac won the job over one of the best players, one of the college prep, best college prep players in the country, one of the most uh, highly recruited kids in the country. Um, and it wasn't it wasn't by accident. And it wasn't because he had great weapons around him. And I think that's a big misnomer. I watched all of Alabama's games last year, all the way into the national championship. I think Mac Jones is tremendous. I think his accuracy is something that cannot be taught. Nope. I think his touch is off the charts. Now, you could say, look at the talent he had around him. Here's the question I always ask people. How many times did you see Devontae Smith lay out for a catch last year? Never. Never. How many times did you see Mac Jones overthrow his tight end who had to make a diving catch into the end zone like I see Baker Mayfield do week after week? Never. Mac Jones has something. Now, people go, oh, Justin Fields and, and Trey Lance are more talented and Trevor Lawrence is more polished and Justin Wilson more athletic. Doesn't matter. That's a, this isn't a talent. This isn't a talent show. Mm-hmm. It's football. 
It's winning games. Mac Jones is exactly the kind of quarterback Tom uh, that Bill Belichick <laughs> likes. And yep. and it's it's look it's just natural to say, well, Mac Jones is no Tom Brady. Let me tell you a couple things about Tom Brady, just so everybody's clear. Tom, Tom Brady was here. a six-round draft pick for a reason. Okay. The okay. Patriots were strongly considering not drafting Tom Brady in the sixth mm-hmm. round, but instead Tim Rattay. So listen. And by the way, Howard, how long has Tim Rattay, like, how long was he in the league for? I just want to throw that out there. I had to look him up on Wikipedia today because I was so curious as to how things worked out with Tim. Uh, he got around. He played for the, the, the Buccaneers and a few other teams. But the last team he's listed as playing for is the Las Vegas Locomotives. I don't Charlie even know Charlie. what that is. That's got to be like, like an XFL or like a fan-controlled league thing or something. Some kind of semi-pro team or something. But right. that's how that's how close it was. That's how close it was for Tom Brady to never have existed. Because mm-hmm. if he would have gotten drafted in the seventh round like Rattay did, he would have sat on the, on the bench for a couple of years before he started signing as a backup third stringer elsewhere. Probably. Okay? So I, I'm of the belief that Belichick made Brady. Bill Belichick had rings before he met Tom Brady. Okay. Bill Belichick was, I would say, when he became the head coach of the New England Patriots, he was the best defensive coordinator ever. So he had already conquered that. Then he became a head coach, and he had an experience as a head coach previous in Cleveland. Didn't go well. Right. It went awful. Horribly. Then he took the Jets job for about an hour. <laughs> like for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> there was no reason to think when Bill Belichick took over this franchise, just like when Joe Torrey took over the Yankees, there was no reason to think a dynasty was forming. Nobody thought that. So again, I will say it was Belichick who, who built the system. It was Belichick okay. who created Brady. Now, how Tom Brady became the greatest quarterback of all time? Well, that's the Tom Brady story. Uh, yeah. He's amazing. And yes, the things he's done are amazing. But week in and week out, Bill Belichick, to me, is the best coach in football. Yes. I've, I've felt that way every year since since 2000. And, and just because Bruce Arians won a championship or Andy Reid finally figured some things out and he got the best quarterback currently in the league, Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, he's a genius. I, I don't buy it. Neither do I. Okay? I'll Neither tell you I. what. I, I think on Sunday night, I think Belichick finds a way to lose this game, but not in an embarrassing fashion. I, yeah, think, I, I, think, I think you're looking at a touchdown kind of a game between the Patriots and the Buccaneers. Yeah. I, and I think the Bucs will win the game. I, th- I, I think the Patriots will not be embarrassed. It'll be a good showing. The guy I feel bad for is Mac Jones mm-hmm. because – no matter what Mac does, it's just going to be Tom Brady comparisons for him. And I'll tell you what, I didn't like the 51 throws last week. That's a that's a recipe for losing. Don't get down quick, obviously, because you, you don't – I mean, Trevor Lawrence throwing 50 times, Justin Fields – when these guys, Wilson throwing – you're, you're not going to win those games. 
these 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 guys need to be able to game manage. You need to get your running game going. I still don't know why the Patriots haven't started pounding Damian Harris. I mean, he's such a one of the greatest running backs ever to play in Alabama. I mean, my God, let's go. Let's get this kid moving already. Uh, you, you'll you'll only make things easier, but I think the Patriots' defense is good. I think they're going to have a really strong showing against Tom Brady this weekend. And for all the hype, I really do think I, – I, I said it before the draft that I thought Mac Jones was going to end up being the best of the group. And again, when I say that, that doesn't mean I think he's the most talented. I'm sure when Justin Fields starts, he's going to do Lamar Jackson kind of stuff. That's great. And I, and I think when the Jaguars get it figured out, I think Trevor Lawrence would be a fine quarterback. I don't know about I don't know about Wilson and, and the Jets. I, I don't think nothing in there will ever work. And yeah. I'm sure Trey Lance will be a great piece. I think Mac Jones is in the right place with the right team and the right coach to have a whole lot of success for a really long time. And like I said, the way he gets balls where they need to be. You can't teach that. That's not something you can teach. You can nope. either do that or you can't. And this nope. kid can do it in his friggin' sleep. The other thing is he's a really, really smart guy. He's got a really high football IQ in addition to just having a high IQ. Yep. He he knows how to how to check out. I mean, he he's he really understands things better and faster than most of the people around him. That's what makes him special. He's yep. also, and again, for a guy who is a goofy, pudgy white kid, his his black and his, everybody loves this kid. His teammates think the world of him everywhere he's been. Everybody buys in. No one, no one has a bad. No, Cam Newton loved the kid for crying out loud. I'm gonna put and, it to you this way. And Cam knew he was losing his job at some point to this kid, and they got along. Hundred percent. Look, this kid is a is like a Tim Tebow who can play. Like, and that's the best comparison I can get to this kid. Like, and by the way, for all the people who say, oh, yeah, he's not as talented as Justin Fields, those are the, and this is why I was laughing because when you were referring to that thing, I was laughing because that just shows how little credibility you have. Because those are the same people who say Tom Brady is better than Aaron Rodgers, but Aaron Rodgers can run faster than Tom. So don't give me all this notion about, oh, yeah, well, he can, it's like, no, you can't give me that. Because then if I ask you who's better, Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, those same people will say Tom Brady. And Tom Brady, the only player I've ever seen slower than Tom Brady was Peyton Manning. And I'm pretty sure the only reason Peyton Manning was that slow was because he was old as bricks. Like when he did that sneak touchdown for the one-yard line when he was with the Broncos, like, yo, to this day, I still don't know how he did it. But look, I personally, I was like, look, this draft will be a success as long as we get one of two guys either Justin Fields or Mac Jones. I was like, look, Trevor Lawrence, I was like, it's fine. He can go there. I was like, I don't know why the Jets is taking Zach Wilson, but frankly, I don't care. I want no, I'm, I'm, I don't think Zach Wilson is going to be as great as everyone is hyping him up to be. I think he'll be solid, but I just don't see this. Oh my God, this guy's a playmaker. Yeah. Cause he makes plays for the other team. I don't want to hear. I don't, I don't know that he's going to be any better than what Sam Darnold is or may become. Exactly. I don't, think the, I don't think the ceiling is that much different. I think it, all they did was reset three years. That's it for basically the same guy. Exactly. I feel like the only the only reason they did that is because they didn't want Sam Darnold. So they didn't want to have to pay him an exorbitant amount of money, and then they didn't want to let him walk and lose him for nothing. I feel like that's the only reason they did that. So when I look at Matt Jones, like you said, this this kid's got accuracy. 
poise. This kid is getting hit and still delivering the ball. Like, that's stuff that, like, not a lot of guys in the league can do when you're getting hit. This kid is basically not only shuffling out the pocket, and he's pointing at John U. Smith and telling him, yo, run a different route. And he's pointing at the route to the wide open part of the field where he can deliver the ball. Same with Hunter Henry. Nelson Agler. Like, bro, he is a rookie doing this stuff. And, like, the stuff he's doing is stuff you can't really, you can't teach. That's not stuff that you can, you know, like if, if I go and I, you know, I get a Baker Mayfield, I can't make Baker smarter. You can't. You really can't. Again, I, I love Baker Mayfield. I'm a Baker guy. I think him and the Browns, I think that's that's a perfect match right there. But not only him, tra- Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence isn't smarter than this kid. He's not, you know, and you can just tell by the way they play because there's still some plays where I see Trevor Lawrence trying to force it. I don't see that with Mac Jones. Every play is almost like, okay, this is the best thing I should do, and this is what I'm going to do. And it's like you don't really see that. I'm going to tell you something, Joe. My heart was broken because, like I said, my number one guy, I was like, we got to get Justin Fields. If we get Justin Fields, we'll be okay. Then the Bears traded up just so that way. By the way, Matt Nagy does not like Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields slept with his daughter or something because he doesn't like him because now all of a sudden we think Nick Foles could be the guy. Fam, he wasn't the guy for you. Like, what, what do you guys do, right? But I'm going to tell you something, Joe. When we When we drafted this kid, I'm going to show you the moment, Joe. I fell in love with this kid. The six-time world champion New England Patriots select Mac Jones. (laughs) I'll finish the sentence for him. walk made me fall in love. Instead of screaming Stone Cold, I'm screaming, Mac Jones! It's Mac Jones! I fell in love with that kid immediately, and I was like, bro, bro, I'm telling you, bro, like, when I saw, that's the first thing that came in my head, right? And I'm like, I I just like this kid. Like, he's he's an out-of-shape kid, and like, he looks like he does it, like, if you, real quick, you see him in the park, you think he's there to play chess. That's what he looks like, and then you see him on the field, and the kid is playing chess on the field still. And it's like, I, I don't understand the hatred for Mac Jones because you're like, oh, yeah, um, Trevor Trevor Lawrence is, it has a better arm. Okay, he's got better. He's got longer hair as well. Does, does that mean he's better? No. Like, oh, yeah, well, Justin Fields can run more. I love Justin Fields, bro, but he did all that to, what, have more sacks than he had completions? Like, like let, let's let's really have a conversation here and understand that, like, this kid is a rookie. See, the problem is, Joe, a lot of people nowadays are casuals, right? They expect every rookie to be a Deshaun Watson. They expect every rookie to go on a tear like Baker Mayfield did his rookie year. You know, they expect guys to be like Patrick Mahomes, where the instant they step on the field, boom, they're gone. It's like all of a sudden you're, you're, you're witnessing, oh, my God, it's a great. That's not how it always goes. That's not that like to, to act like that's how a lot of times it's like you said, a Tom Brady where a guy has to sit and then he comes in and then you can see the progression. Like an Aaron Rodgers, like a um a Ben Roethlisberger, where you see the progression and it's not just they step on the field and all of a sudden the next day they're the greatest thing you've ever seen in your life. There's a progression. And when people don't understand that, and I'm like, bro, at the same time, this is where where it kind of drives me nuts. We're, we have we this is week four. This is week four. Like the same people who are telling me to give up on Mac Jones 
are the same guys who are crying when their team won week two. It, 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 it's bonkers to me, Joe. It's like, I, look, Mac Jones is going to be a, a, a – I'm going to call him a great quarterback. I think he's going to be a great quarterback. And, again, like you said, Joe, he's got things you can't teach. And he went to Alabama, so he knows how to control the line and shift the line. Like, like name, me, name me one rookie who knows how to do that. Have you seen Justin Fields do that? Have you seen Trevor Lawrence do that? Trey Lance has gotten a couple snaps, so I'm going to take him out because that's not really fair to him. But have you seen Zach Wilson do it? No, you haven't seen any of the rookies really do that. And frankly, it, there's not that many rookies who come in and do that, period. So forget the class, period. There's not really that many guys who come in. Look, Cam Newton, like you said, knew he was going to lose the job to the kid and was still dap him up every time in practice. Let that sink in, Joe. Let that sink in. You're going to replace me. But I'll dap you up and smoke a couple cigars with you. Like, you know what? So it's like, I just don't understand it. People want to blame um, Matt Jones for the position we're in. I'm like, no, you don't really have to blame him because this is what happens. When the dynasty is over, what happens? A lot of times you kind of hit a patch. You, you know what I mean? It's not like... Again, you're not blessed where you can go from, from a Brett Favre to an Aaron Rodgers. That doesn't happen all the time. A Joe Montana to Steve Young, that doesn't happen as much as, much as people want it to seem. So when a dynasty is over, you're going to hit a rough patch. And that's fine. When Mac Jones, I'm going to say this right now. In three years, when Mac Jones is, a, is all of a sudden looked at as a top seven quarterback, I'm going to laugh at everybody who disrespected him. And by the way, Matt Jones, do not get a six-pack. I need you to keep, be fat. Be fat. Be proud. Be pudgy. I don't want to. Look, man, I want you to have the same physique as Bill Belichick. I want to throw a sleeveless hoodie on you, and I don't want to be able to tell the difference. Like, you know what I mean? Like, look, Joe, I don't understand the hatred for Matt Jones, but in terms of all, the, all these other young quarterbacks I've seen, this kid is, dare I say, the shiniest of them all. Because a lot of the stuff you need to teach him, frankly, is stuff you could teach him with time. In terms of like a Trevor Lawrence, where you got to be like, oh, yeah, shift the line. Huh? Like, you know what I mean? I did not watch uh, the game against the Saints, but I did watch uh, the game against the Jets, and I did watch the game against the Dolphins. The Saints was horrible. And. And, and he could have been – listen, the Patriots could have been 2-0 and going in the last week. Uh, they lost by a point to Miami. And I'll tell you what, the thing I think – here here's the thing that struck me most in the Miami game was he looked like an NFL veteran under center. And Tua, to me, still looks like a rookie. Tua still looks like uh, he's still finding his way. Mac looked very comfortable back there. And I thought the same thing the following week. Again, sort of to contrast him against Zach Wilson, you could see one guy seemed super comfortable. The other guy looked like he was, I mean, again, four picks in his first seven passes. It doesn't get any more rookie than that. I'm muted. But I just think that really comes with just, I just think that Alabama kind of primed him. Because again, like you said, a lot of people didn't think he was going to start. A lot of people said Matt Jones is going to be the quarterback. A lot of a lot of pundits as well who covered college basketball wrote him off. A lot did. 
So now when he goes in there, and again, what I, again, what I liked about it is when that whole situation happened, he did not harbor any resentment. You see a lot of guys in that situation, they'll come out and they'll be like, okay, fine. I'm going to win in spite of you. No, he was like, okay, it is what it is. I'm here to win the game. And before I forget, one criticism I do have of the Patriots, um, the comment says, Joe is in love with Mac. Um, LOL. But they need to open up the playbook for him already. And I agree. If you're going to throw the ball 51 times, why are you going to do 51 checkdowns? That's just my only thing. I, yeah. I feel like it's fair to give the kid an opportunity. And this is my logic with that, Joe. We're not going to win the Super Bowl this year. We're not winning the division this year. Heck, our ceiling is second. We're fighting Miami for second. You, you know what I mean? Obviously, we're not going to be worse than the Jets. But right now, we're fighting for second. So it's like, let's see what you got. Crack open with the kid. Give him a couple opportunities to go, okay, look, Matt. John Swift's going to run a little deep one. If you're comfortable with him. Hit him. We got Nelson Aguilar on the other side. He's going to run a straight fly. He's going to try to burn his defender. Try to hit him. If you're not comfortable, we'll have Hunter, uh, Hunter Henry here shallow and hit him if you want. But just understand, we're going to give you the opportunity to hit these guys deep. And if you want to, go ahead. The very few times they let him go pass over 10 yards, this kid is dropping dots. Joe, I feel like I'm playing Madden with this kid, bro. Like the, 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 the dots he drops, it's like, wow, like, and consistent too. Like, bro, you're a rookie, and you have over – if I'm not mistaken, he's, he's like 67% um, completion percentage. And people want to say, oh, yeah, it's all checkdowns. But there are some that he's getting hit, and when he's getting hit and getting dragged down, this kid is doing sidearm action, and he's hitting guys in the pocket. He's doing the type of throws that if Patrick Mahomes made him, people would be sucking it, and ESPN will be playing it on repeat. But because it's Mac Jones, heck, if Justin Fields was doing it, they'd be hyping him up. But because it's Mac Jones, they don't want to give the kid respect. And I'm telling you right now, look, man, Bill Belichick, if you trade him, I'm going with him. I'm going with Mac Jones wherever he goes, bro. Like when LeBron went to Miami, I'm, I wasn't a Miami Heat fan. I'm a wherever he at fan. That's how it was with me. And that's how I'm going to be with the greatest quarterback of all time, Mac Jones, uh, Joe. That's like how I'm going to be. I'm with you. I'm with you. I tell you, I, I really, I think this kid's, really special i think people have just continued to underestimate him and that's fine you know he's gonna take this season and and he's gonna grow and he's gonna learn and it's gonna make him more dangerous going forward you know that's the that's the scary thing about this guy is that he's only gonna get better he's already extremely accurate and very poised like you said stands in the pocket takes a hit makes his throw and he's just He's just extremely accurate. If you look at Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and Zach Wilson, look at their per completion percentages right now. Everybody's under 60%. It's, and Matt it's, Jones, it's, the only guy that's that's hitting like he was hitting in college. Yep. You know? So, yeah. 100%. I mean, this is he's, he's going to be – he's a good guy. He's going to be a great player. But from one Jones to another – I don't know why we're, I'm punishing myself by talking about this guy. John Jones decided to mess up again for what, the eighth time? And I swear, Joe, he is like the Josh Gordon of the UFC community. It's, it's wild to me. Uh, he got arrested for an accusation of domestic violence. And ironically enough, 
He his fight with Alexander Gustafson just got inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame. That same night, he's on his shenanigans. I don't know what to do with this guy. Joe, holla at me, man. What's your gut reaction? I I'm I'm a huge fan of John's John John Jones. I, I love this guy. And I for the life of me don't understand why the people around him, obviously his wife is afraid of him. Uh, and, and, you know, now we know why, you know, John's biggest enemy, John's biggest challenge is himself. And it kind of always has been. And it's funny. You mentioned he's been in trouble, like what, eight times to the point where Dana literally said, we can't bring this guy to Vegas even for a few hours. And it's true. Um, and Apparently, it's funny we actually have that audio clip too. That I'm gonna play it a little bit. No, oh, good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, here's the thing: Dana doesn't generally talk out of school about people, and for him to have made those comments, I thought was pretty telling. Also, uh, Daniel Cormier, who hates John Jones, uh, was you know, I mean, expressed as as you could imagine, DC would. You know, he doesn't want to see anything bad happen to John, and he hopes John gets the help he needs. But he made a really great point. Kid won the championship at 23. He's been in trouble a whole bunch of times. Nothing sticks. He He's like John Gotti, this guy. The Teflon Don. Every time Bones does something, it's, it's a little community service. It's a check, and he's on his way. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, and know, not to cut you off, Joe, as soon as that happens, he comes back to work, and they immediately try to reward him and give him back his title. Like yeah. for instance, like I, I guarantee you, this is this whole thing is gonna get uh, whatever happens. He's probably not gonna serve any jail time, and Dana White is gonna go. You're back. All right, great. We just had the interim fight. You're next. Yeah. Well, you know, this is the thing, and this is this is the unfortunate thing that happens in sports when you're really great at something. You know, you have to literally murder your wife and a waiter to become like a sports pariah. Um, Toleration matches production. And right now his production's yeah. up here, so the tolerant matches. You know, listen, Kareem Hunt, you know, think about his situation. If Ray Rice wasn't averaging 3.3 yards a carry when he slapped his wife, he I bet been. he'd be, oh, he would have been back. 100%. That's how the NFL works. Ben Roethlisberger has had three different people accuse him of rape during his long career. Mm-hmm. He's been he's been accused of rape more times than he's been to the Super Bowl. 100%. That's that's a Hall of Fame career as both a sexual predator and a quarterback. Yeah, 100%. Not, look, at, look what happened with Kobe. Look, I don't mean to be mean, but look what happened to Kobe. If Kobe's not averaging if Kobe's averaging anything under 20 points, the Lakers are cutting him. So Yeah. Listen, if Rick Fox would have raped somebody in Colorado, Rick Fox would have gone to jail. That's it, 100%. 100%. Yeah. There's yeah. no debate. There's no yeah. debate. It's Kobe. He could rape, can't he? People right. seem to be like, well, who wouldn't want to get raped by Kobe? Like, what a ridiculous thing to say. And right. I, let me just say this. Since since you brought it up, I never got over that thing about Kobe Bryant. Neither have I. I never let it go. I... I I I literally hated him to the day he died. And I I I heard some things. 
after he passed that made me feel better about Kobe. Mm-hmm. And number one was that he, I mean, he was trying to invest in the WNBA. He was trying to make that a thing. And partially for his daughter, I get it, but for the betterment mm-hmm. of women in general. And he wanted the women to get paid better. And I thought, I, I like a Kobe Bryant who's a little more aware that there's other people on the planet besides himself. Right. And to do something special like that for women, like that restored some faith in me. And and I, I for my sake, in my, in my opinion on the man, I hope Vanessa Bryant follows through with that, with that Kobe cash and fulfills that legacy because that, that, that's the, that's kind of the one thing that I'm harping on. And, and I hope it happens because I'd, I'd like to square up with Kobe once and for all. Yeah, I, uh, she did say, well, she hasn't really spoken that much pub- uh, publicly, but she did say she was going to continue that. And I'm, I, I, I heard things that she's trying to start a foundation in memory of him so that way the money can go to like female sports. So I do believe it's going to go up. But before I let you continue, Joe, the whole thing with Dana, I have it. It's, it's about 30 seconds long. I'm about to play for you to hear what the great, Dana White has to say about this situation. It's hard to bring this guy to Las Vegas for any reason. The city is not not good for John Jones. Um, and here we are again. What was your reaction when you first got the news that there had been another incident? It's like it's like it's not even shocking anymore. It's 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 uh, when we bring him here, it's almost expected. You know, you can't even you can't even get him in Las Vegas for less than 12 hours to induct him into the Hall of Fame. It's, it's, uh, it's a problem, you know? This guy's got a lot of demons, man. A lot of demons. The part for me that was most telling in that entire thing was when he said, and this is where I kind of got to blame Dana some, when you invite him here, you almost expect it. At some point, if you expect that, why bring the man there? I'm, am I holding Dana too accountable? Because personally, it's like if if I know there is a, a part of this town, because I live in South Carolina, if there's a part of this town that's very dangerous, right, and, um, you know, women are likely to get raped there, right, I am not going to tell my wife to go to that, that side of town to pick me up some, some uh, a thing of milk. I'm not going to send her there because in my mind it's like, well, there's legitimate chances could happen. Is there any way we can avoid it? Oh, yeah. Either I send her somewhere else or I go myself. So it's like, Dana, you knew this was going to happen. And you still let him come. He does his stupidity. And then, again, this is just a vicious cycle. Dana White always says this stuff about John. How many times did he say John Jones will never fight in the UFC again, Joe? Almost almost as many times as John John Jones has popped. You know what I mean? Like... (laughs) Yeah, so it's it's like it's like you know like he always says that, and then he brings him back and goes, you know what, John? I didn't mean it. Get on over here, you little rascal. And it's like like you said what DC said. John Jones only gets a slap on the wrist. He gets a slap on the wrist. He goes hides for a couple months, and then all of a sudden Dana White goes, boom, John Jones gonna fight again. And then people are like, oh man, I can't wait to see him because it's been so long. And it's like, but do we really need him though? Like I'm I'm under the this is my thing, and maybe I'm, I might come across as a hater. If we can survive without Conor McGregor, who arguably is one of the best trash talkers in the history of the game, if we can survive without him, 
I think the UFC could survive without anybody. If we could survive without George St. Pierre, who I believe is the greatest overall fighter in the history of the UFC, I think you could survive without Josh, uh, without without John Jones. If you can survive without, at the time, who they were hyping up as the greatest female mixed martial artist in the history of mankind, Ronda Rousey. If you can survive without her, if you can survive without Chris Cyborg, heck, if you can survive without Amanda Nunes, because remember, people don't like to talk about this. Dana White and Amanda Nunes have not always been buddy-buddy. Let's let's stop. Let, let's stop pretending like, like they, the UFC was giving her respect when she, when she deserved it. They were treating her like poo-poo before. And now look at her. And I believe, and I say this with every fiber of my being, and I mean this, Amanda Nunes is pound for pound the best fighter on the planet right now. I don't care what anybody says. I'm glad they finally changed and put Kamara Usman up there. Thank God. I appreciate it because I was sick of seeing John Jones at number one. But I believe Amanda Nunes it should be the first female ever to be on that pound for pound in at number one. You know, But if you can survive without all these fighters, what on God's green earth makes John Jones so special? Like, what am I, like, bro, I, bro Fedor in his peak, Dana was, excuse my friends, was shitting on. Who people thought at the time, Fedor Emelianenko at the time, people considered was a pound for pound best fighter on the planet. He, he, yo, Dana White was poo-pooing on him. So it's like, in my thing, it's like, like I think, I, Joe, I don't know if you watch wrestling at all. But Vince McMahon, you know Vince McMahon, he likes big, sweaty men. I am pretty sure Dana White is a, di a long-distant cousin of his, and he likes the same thing. Because I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Because I just, maybe it's just me, Joe. But I just do not understand the, the this weird obsession, this weird infatuation with John Jones. I think John is just, I mean, he really is great. And I, and I do think... You know, you mentioned uh, mentioned George's Saint Pierre. Uh, I I personally think that 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 uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov is the is the greatest uh, of all time. Uh, but any any of the people you mentioned could be in the conversation, and John Bones Jones certainly is in the conversation. Yeah, I'll give it. He's that, never yeah. never really been never been beaten in, in the octagon. No, and was... I and I and I don't know that anybody I don't know that anybody can. It's kind of funny how you said that because he has one loss. He does. But it's a it was good to Mark Hamill. And it was because of the whole elbow thing. It reminds me, I forgot where I saw this front. Brandon Schaub was talking and he was saying how Mark Hamill was like, you know, we'll, you know, we'll rematch or whatever. And Mark Hamill's deaf, right? And then they made a joke, which which I laughed. And to this day, I still I try to find the clip because it makes me laugh. He was, uh, Brandon Schaub was like, yeah, Mark Hamill went up to John Jones. He goes, what match? And John was like, can't we really fight you, bro. And then and then Brandon Schaub was like, this kid. So he's like, what? You want to lose your freaking vision too, bro? Like, what are you doing? And, I, <laughs> <laughs> and every time, oh, it was the, the, the Joe Rogan experience. That's where it was. It was on the Joe Rogan experience. And oh, my God, every time I see that, I laugh. But look, you do have a point. He, do, he if, if you want to call him the greatest of all time, I'll disagree. But that's not going to make you look stupid. That's not, you know what I mean? That, like, if, if you can look at me and say, with all due respect, if you tell me Tito Ortiz is the best, I'm going to say, yeah, 100%, I'm not talking to you. If you try to tell me Chuck Liddell is the best, I'm going to look at you and say, look, fam, why are you talking to me right now? If you come up to me and say, Ken Shamrock is that dude, I'm going to say, yeah, if he's that dude, then there's that door you can get out because I'm not talking to you when it comes to this stuff, you know? But I will say, you know, it's fine that, you know, John Jones is up there, 
But at what point? Let me ask you a question. Because this is for me, this is where I drew the line. They had to move a whole event to another state for this dude. Joe, they're not even gonna do that for Conor McGregor. I, I don't think they'll do that for Conor McGregor. Is there anybody in the UFC that would do that for outside of John Jones? No, no. No, you know what? Here's the thing. Go ahead. It's that's 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 sort of part of the problem. Is the the catering, the acquiescing to everything that 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 you know, and like you said, as soon as John's eligible, he's in the ring again. That that's it's the enabling of John Jones by Dana. Daniel Cormier also pointed out John John Jones has gotten in trouble in Albuquerque, mm-hmm. in New York, yep. and all points in between. So it, it isn't even just a Vegas thing. So Dana, spare me a little bit. There's no reason why John Jones shouldn't have had somebody from the UFC joined him by the hip. I had to with, guess. Yeah, I got Dana on a wire here, bro. We're not going to a strip club. You're not doing cocaine right now. You're going to have we the most boring in. night in Vegas yep. possible. We're staying in with the wife and kids, and yes. that's that. And That's if you don't want to happen, and if you don't want to stay in with the wife and kids, no problem. Guess what? We're gonna fly in, accept the award, and we're gonna fly out because they ain't gonna do nothing. But I, because you did bring up a good point on how John Jones needed help, and it that was said in the group chat that we're in. Um, and Jared, Jared Jones, who on Saturdays he's with you on the Throne Japs podcast, uh, he said something because you know, which it was like, why is this guy not getting help? And he said. Because you can't help before they're ready, which I think is a very telling thing. Because if you ask John Jones, he doesn't think he has a problem. And this goes back to when, remember, he went, people don't remember this. He went to rehab for literally a day. This dude went to rehab for a day and he checked himself out because he was like, nah, I'm good. I don't need it. And now I'm going to say this again, Joe. What individual can check themselves out of rehab? I don't know how that works, but I'm pretty sure when you go into rehab, you are not treated as, and this will sound mean, but you're treated as a child in terms of if you want to leave, somebody has to come and they basically need to sign, sign for you. And it's like, so John Jones could just walk out? Like, you know, it's like, you know, and, and, and I said the same thing in the group chat. I was like, until he realizes he needs help, there's nothing anyone can really do. And there's no, I mean, like he, he has to understand, A, I need help. And B, he's got to be re- willing to accept it. I don't know if we'll ever see that. And by the time we do see that, he's going to be so old that, frankly, the UFC isn't going to bring him back. You know, and, and then it's going to be like, John Joe's going to be like, oh, I'm ready for the help. Oh, but what's the point? Because I'm not fighting. I'm not doing anything. So what's the point? You know? And it's like, I feel like Dana, if if, if you want to use your favoritism for this guy, go ahead. I'm not going to argue. My thing is use the favoritism for something different. Why don't you go and grab him and say, I don't care how mad you are. We're, t- we're going to, ch- we're chaining you to a chair. You're going to rehab whether you like it or not. And then after that, 
You are on a six-month probation where if you mess up, I'm going to keep you on the roster, and you are not going to fight, and you're not going to get paid. You got to do something extreme because the guy is never going to learn his lesson, and I fear by the time he learns his lesson, Joe, it's going to be too late. Whether he's dead or he's just never going to want to kick the, the, the habits he has. Yeah, I feel like, you know, it's it's crazy to think. I mean, it's already been uh, – when's the last time he fought? Two years ago? About two years, yep. Pushing two. Uh, yep. and, and there was a layoff before that as well. Yep. You know, it, it's it, it looks it's a lot like Conor McGregor where you're losing valuable time in your career. And, you know, funny, Conor's only 32 years old. And it feels me. like he's – and it feels like he's forty-one. Yes, um, because you 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 literally have watched the prime years of this guy's career, and he's out there boxing and he's punching people in pubs and he's yep. jogging in Portugal. Like get, get it together, dude. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, listen, it, this is a violent sport. It's hard to turn it off outside the ring. It, you know, it it, it is it, this very much. It, I feel like it's on Dana. To do do more for these guys. I mean, uh, you know, I don't want to go on here and, and complain that he doesn't pay him enough. That seems to be something many many people that aren't Dana White believe. Right. He doesn't think so, but but that that does seem to be a, a real issue there. Um, you, you gotta you gotta have programs set up. Like you know, it, it, as much as people hate Major League Baseball's union and the football union and hockey with the striker. Uh, pretty much ruin hockey it helps there needs to be somebody who's looking out for these people because here's the other thing about john jones is i don't know if he has a lot of friends left in the ufc no i don't know that there's really anybody looking out for john and and i think slowly but surely at least from you know what do we got about 20 dudes in that chat all big sports guys oh yeah uh i think i was the only person who even and I wasn't even offering a defense, obviously, of John or John's actions, but I was the only person who wasn't like, I'm done with this guy. Because that seemed to be the overwhelming majority of reactions is people are just over this guy. And like you were just saying, the UFC can roll on without this guy. They'll be fine. All of a sudden, that heavyweight division with Ciro gone and Francis Ngannou Steve and Derek Lewis and Josinio Rosenstrike oh, and, of course, my man Stipe Majocic. The heavyweight division's fine. They don't need yes. Johnny Jones. The light heavyweight division looks fantastic, fantastic. these days. Jan Blahovitz is fantastic. You know, and even though uh even though Reyes got knocked out uh by Pro Haska, I, 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 I give him bro, I was about to say oh. I give this guy high marks because just looking at those shots, show I was getting rocked. So I'm like the fact that look again. Ray has got Molly Watt. Ain't no debate there. But the fact that he hung in there and he was taking those shots, that's one tough hombre with a huge set of cojones because a lot of other dudes would have just dropped to a knee and started tapping and been like, they would have pulled the Bob Sapp in the later ends of his career and people was like, I'm tapping you to strikes. Look, the heavyweight division and the light heavyweight division are both stacked and loaded right now, and they are both doing just fine without John Jones. And Israel Adesanya's already moved on. He's talking smack to all sorts of different people. He yep. doesn't need the John Jones fight. Yep. Nobody needs John Jones. John Jones needs the UFC. He he um 
he had re recently said something to the effect of, if Dana does, Dana could release me, I'll sign on to some other fight promotion. Where, dude? Where are you going to go? As much. Where are you going to go? But listen, is this about money? It's not about money. It isn't about money for John Jones. What's John Jones going to go sign a Bellator, become the greatest and richest Bellator fighter ever? Congratulations. That's like being the best, the best home run hitter at AAA Columbus. <laughs> that doesn't do it for me. Well, and you're right. You're not wrong. You're really not there, wrong. There's, you know. there's one promotion to be in, and, and he's a highly regarded guy in that promotion. You're not going anywhere. There's nowhere else to go. Get your shit together and come back and come get your crown. Because, again, all of a sudden, pick your division, big guy. They're stacked. There's, there's, there's no shortage of guys that deserve a shot at John Jones. And if only John could get it together and, and get some, and, and listen, here's my hope about this, this latest incident with John, because most of them have just been him being stupid yep, and making poor decisions. This was different. This is something that I think will be impactful on John Jones. This is this is his chill. I mean, his children asked the hotel to call the police. Yeah, which that doesn't. When I saw right, that, report, that can't that can't feel good for John Jones. It can't. He, and he can't like, feel good about that. No way. And that, like, I want to believe because, like you said, this is the first time that it's his family now. You know, like now it's like not only is it him and his and his and his wife. But now their children are involved. So that's where it does make it slippery. But at the same time, this is the same dude that hit and run on a pregnant woman. So, you know, so I'm like, I don't know if this really is going to shake him. I, I really don't know. I I, I don't know because I, I just, based on the history I've seen with this dude, he's going to be on his best behavior for three months. The fourth month hits, he goes back to Vegas, and he's going to do something stupid again. Or matter of fact, no, he's going to go – to something Listen, weird. He's going to go to like Colorado time, and get in trouble. This time, he's got to look the people he wronged every day. In the eyes. Mm -hmm. Every day. I'm hoping. I'm, I'm hoping this kind of snaps Listen, us out of it. Put it to you like this. If this if this doesn't do it. Nothing will. Then 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 John Jones is completely hopeless. And, 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 it's, and it's over. I, I'm there with you. Problem is, I'm, I don't. I, I'm not giving him another chance. I'm not giving him another chance. You know? I'm just. I'll say this. I'm rooting for him. I can't. He's, I can't anymore. I'm too he's tired. Got, he's got. Way, he's just, got. I just want to let got you know a lot quick. to prove to a lot of people. I just want to say I'm rooting for quick. the guy because I. I. I really like him. Yeah. Just. I think he's ahead. a. I think deep down he's good. I'd be honest. I as much as I like John Jones. I. I didn't know. He, I didn't know he had a girl. And kids. I didn't even know that. I knew he had a girl. I didn't really know about the kids, which is kind of Three weird. Three of them. The, I didn't yeah, know that. The first time people found out you have children is in a police report where the children had to go and call somebody. By the way, Nelson Cruz in a home run uh, razor up on top of the Yankees 1-0. My life right now is you know, in a phenomenal state. But I, I, look, I'm tired of giving John Jones chance after chance after chance. Like, do I want to root for him? Yes, and it's not even as a fighter, just as a human being. But it gets to a point where, like, it's a vicious cycle, and I'm just dizzy, man. 
Like, like, Joe, like, you ever went to one of those small carnival rides where it's just like the ring of fire and it's just the, the roller coaster going in a circle, in a circle, and then you get off and you're all dizzy and someone's like, hey, you want to get on? You're like, no, I need a minute. Yeah, I don't need a minute. I need a lifetime. I need an eternity with this dude because I just, I'm, I'm, every time I try to stick up for him, he does something stupid. And it, it, it's, it's, it's to the point where, like, now it's like, like you said, the light heavyweight division in the heavyweight division is, thriving so now it's like at first i was fighting for him because the division was it was down bad it was struggle city you know what i mean but now i'm looking at him and we'll, we'll talk about him in the next segment but johnny walker who's ranked 10th think about this johnny walker which i i i refer to him as the weirdo i i i, I that's that's like my lovable name for him but he's ranked 10th and i could see a world where he can actually get a title after this fight if he wins. Like I can see that he can stay ranked 10th and I can see him go. And imagine though, that's a 10th ranked guy. We're not in a, you know what I mean? Like th this isn't the middleweight division where one guy or, you know, where it's like, a, like Israel Asanya is ruling over and you're seeing a lot of, you know, Israel versus Whitaker, um, uh, to infinity and beyond, or, you know, like you're not really seeing a lot of those. Like, so it's like, now I'm looking at it and I'm like, all right, John, we don't need you right now. Go get better. Go take your time. Go relax. Fix your life. And now you're not doing that. And now it's like, okay, bro, you're not even cheering for yourself at this point. Why should I cheer for you? It's like being a Jets fan right now, bro. Like, you see the team is, like, all discombobulated. They don't know what they're doing. That's John Jones in a nutshell. John Jones is now the Jets of the UFC. The guy just keeps on making mistake after mistake after mistake. And look, I, again, I, I'm 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 a, I'm in the DC bowl. I'm I don't wish death upon him. I don't wish nothing crazy like that. But I don't care what happens to him anymore. Like he can go to Alaska, go find a, an abandoned log cabin, go hide in there, light a match, get some campfire, and sing sing the SpongeBob the SpongeBob campfire song song for the rest of your life. I don't care. But I'm, Joe, I'm mentally, I can't do it anymore. Because he's just let me down so many times. It's to the point where when John Jones extends his arm and says, I got you this time, Joe, I go, okay, and I just fall backwards at this point. Because I'm like, you know what? I might as well hurt myself because I know you're going to let me down. It's sad. It really is sad. Again, I, 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 I just have a feeling that this is a little bit different and, and I can I can all I could do is hope. 100%. You know? All I could do is hope that this guy gets gets it on track and gets it figured out, at least for the kids' sake, you know? Jesus. Hundred percent. Just the fact that the kids had to go down and ask, that's horrible. But we're gonna keep on UFC because tomorrow we got Walker versus Santos. This is a matchup I've been looking forward to. I like it. I just think, like I said, I call, you know, I mean, obviously Santos, the guy who dare pe people, a lot of people thought he beat John Jones. A lot of people thought he won. Johnny Walker, the freaking weirdo. I, and I call him that lovingly. Lovingly, I call him the weirdo. This is a matchup between the number five ranked Tiago, 10th ranked Johnny Walker, Joe. I, I'm i leaning a certain way to this, but I don't really think it could be wrong whichever whichever side you kind of go on. So who you got? Who gets the win tomorrow? 
Here's the crazy, crazy thing about Thiago Santos and the fact that he's in the top 10, as is Dominic Reyes, because they both lost their last three fights. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. But, but you know what it is? It's been level of competition. In the case of Thiago Santos, those losses are to Alexander Rakic, who's ranked fifth. Um, he lost to Glover Teixeira, who's ranked third. And he lost to John Jones. Those were his right. last three fights. Uh, in the case of Thiago Santos, uh, yeah, listen, he's a killer. He is 100%. such a great fighter. He, of course, he gave John Jones a fight. I, I mean, I, I, I've seen the fight now a couple times. I do think John won the fight barely, but mm-hmm. he did. Um, I, yeah, listen, this guy is um, is exciting to watch, and 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 he's been doing it for a long time. Uh, Man, the, the the knockout he had of Jan Blahovitz was uh, one of my all-time favorite knockouts. Talk about goosebumps. Um, Woo! Oh, yeah. Now, here's the thing about Johnny Walker. Yeah. I've, I've, I've loved this guy for a while. And as, as Johnny was coming up the uh, – kind of coming up the rankings, dude, he was knocking out everybody. For no reason. He had won eight in a row, got clipped by Corey Anderson and, and never recovered. Lost the decision to Nikita Krylov. And and here's the worst part. He was fighting Ryan Spahn, uh, and, and there he got in trouble. And uh, it looked like Spahn might finish him. And then my man just yep. started. Dude, this is the elbows, thing about yo. Johnny Walker and those elbows. And that size, I mean, dude, this guy's a monster. He look at it, he's like a beast. Also, he's a little bit insane. Hundred percent. I love that in a fighter. I want a fighter who's not quite in his right mind, dude. When this guy starts throwing the the, the knees, the flying knees, oh, yes. and the elbows, the thing is, look, he's he 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 cannot. Thiago Santos is gonna be the best guy he's ever fought. Yep. This is the best fight he's ever had in his life. Johnny's got a chance to crack into the top 10 if he beats Thiago Santos. Okay? If Thiago, if he loses, he's fine either way. Right. Uh, he probably still stays in the top 10 even on a four-fight losing streak because, again, yeah. he's Stop. fighting nobody but the best. Uh, and, 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 again, you know you're going to get a great performance out of him each and every night. But, yeah, I'm really – I feel like it's time for Johnny Walker – to become a household name. Yes. I've seen a lot more people leaning toward Thiago Santos because they know the name. And of course he's going to win the fight. If you don't know who Johnny Walker is, jump on the YouTubes, check out this guy's fights, man. He is unbelievable. And he looks, he's like a, this menacing tall six foot six monster. And he's a knockout specialist. I'm telling you right now, I think Johnny Walker wins this one. What I say it's a it's a second round stoppage, a second round TKO stoppage in favor of Walker. That's how I see this going. But I think you're going to see a, a round one bloodbath, and I think I think somewhere maybe towards the latter stages of round two, I think Johnny does something cool. Uh, and he and he beats Thiago Santos. 
or I could be wrong, and Thiago might knock him out in the second round. But I feel like I feel this like either way, somebody's getting popped in this fight because these are this is two knockout guys. And and I, I'm telling you, somebody's gonna get popped and take out in this fight. I'm yeah. pulling for Walker because I, I really do. I feel like he's he's a guy who could really climb the rankings. And like you said, a win over Santos. I don't know if his next fight necessarily just because of uh, a Prohaska, but that could be a a setup to the that guy gets a shot at the title. I would love that because I'm mm. telling you what, dude, Yuri Prohaska is up. Has he's another one of those guys? I've, I've been watching him for the last year. The fight with Reyes. A lot of people didn't even know who he was. Before uh, that, and I was like, yeah. "Oh yeah, to watch this kid's got and and uh yeah, dude, he's telling you." John Jones, no one's going to miss you in this division. Nope. It's getting better. 100%. And I will say this. Um, Yuri Prohaska is a, excuse my friends, a fucking savage. Um, and there's just no other way to put it. I do hope in an ideal world, if Johnny Walker wins, which you and I are on the same page. I do, be- I, I do believe uh, Johnny Walker is going to get the win. I want to see him and Yuri next. I want to see them next, and then the winner goes against Bohovic. I Because I just – I feel like that would be a good fight for both of them. Like, it would be a good litmus test because a lot of people don't believe in Yuri. A lot of people think he's just like a flash in the pan. Um, by the way, unfortunately, Giancarlo Stanton single, Glibertura scored. It's now 1-1. I hate my life, and I'm going to quit the podcasting business. But um, <laughs> he's like, cheers. <laughs> But, um, you know, I feel like that would be a good litmus test for both of them. But for this one, look, I like Tiago. I, I like Santos. He Look, the dude, no argument, is a great fighter. The reason I'm going to give Johnny Walker the nod, the guy can be technical, but he can also be unpredictable. And I feel like in this division, you need to have a little bit of unpredictability to your game. Like the light heavyweight division and the heavyweight division, you need to have upper. That's why Cyril Gone is all of a sudden looking phenomenal because you don't know what the guy's going to do. He can knock you out. He can take you to no problem to, to the distance or he can make you tap. Johnny Walker is this dude where he's like, you know, he'll look at you and like you said with Ryan Spann, he got clipped and he stumbled back. And it looked like Ryan Spann was going to have the win. It really looked like that. And then all of a sudden, you just kind of see him, you saw Walker kind of shift his hip. And when he did that, he started leaning on the fence. A lot of people were like, oh, Spann, take him down. When I saw that, I was like, oh, it's over. I Because I already knew what was happening because that's just the type of guy Johnny Walker is. And then when I saw the elbows, I was like, look, especially when Ryan Spann, he was not trying to, like, pick his elbow. I was like, bro, if you don't pick your shoulder up and start blocking him, but he was like, nah, I can eat him. Nah, bro, you, you ain't something else, dog. And that was the floor. But Johnny Walker, he's unpredictable. I like it. Like, Johnny Walker has been in less fights than Tiago Santos, and he has the same number of knockouts. That should tell you the explosiveness this guy brings to the table. Like, I really do believe his kind of lean, like, for instance, you, you see him. When he enters the octagon, there's times where he's joking with the guy who's putting the Vaseline on him. Like, you saw the highlights. He was virtually dry hooking, and the guy's like, can you stop? And he goes... Nah, let me go. Let me let me do my hips looser. Like, yeah, it's like, it's like, okay, you know, and it's like, I I like that. 
you know. And again, not to say this is by no means am I saying Santos is a horrible fight. I want that to be clear. I just think right now Johnny Walker is in the prime position to shoot up. Like you said, this is his opportunity. And like with that just explosiveness, like the you know, he's kind of fights a little bit like Yuri, where like Yuri's kind of like controlled chaos. Johnny Walker has chaos. Sometimes it's not controlled, but you know, it's it's still a very chaotic force that not a lot of people can handle because his his, his chaos can come from anywhere. Whether it be, oh yeah, I got you up against the cage, you have me up against the cage, we're doing stand-up, we're we're on the ground. It doesn't matter because at the end of the day, his 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 chaos can just literally explode and come out of nowhere. So I I I I'm taking Johnny Walker. And then I'm hoping I see Johnny Walker versus Yuri next. I can't believe I'm saying this. Yuri's getting put night-night. And then after that, Johnny Walker is going to be the new champ. And then after that, I want him to call out John Jones. Do what DC did. John Jones, get your shit together. Like, I need him to do the same thing. I need John Jones to say, you know what? Forget heavyweight. I need him to come back. Fight Johnny Walker. I don't need him to. But this, this is kind of the ideal world. Because I... I'm, I'm a weirdo when I say this, right? And people look at me funny. I think Johnny Walker is the best guy to beat John Jones. And the reason I say that is because to beat John Jones, because everyone wants to chase him, if, if they still want to anyway, because, you know, Dana's going to let him come back. So you take, beat John Jones, you can't beat him technically. You can't. John Jones is too technically sound. You need to be a weirdo out the box where you can have some technique, but you can just go with the flow and you can just burst out and just do complete and utter randomness. And I just accidentally described Johnny Walker. Like that is what he does in and of itself. Joe, you're looking at me funny. I know you probably think I'm smoking something. I promise I'm not. I swear I'm cleaner than John Jones, but I maybe it's just me. I just feel like I'm maybe a little too high on Johnny Walker, but I just love this guy. I mean, he's my weirdo. Listen, 66205, and he fights like Corey Sanhagen. Mm-hmm. You know, where you, you a knee yeah. could just fly into your face at any second, or a spinning yep. back kick, a, a flying out. I mean, the, the way this dude fights, yeah. I mean, for real, it is uh, and he's 29 years old. I mean, he's in the prime of his career. That's the other thing about Thiago Santos, he is 37 years old. Not only is there a five-inch height advantage, there's also a seven-inch reach advantage. That's the thing. Again, you talked about watching Walker move across the ring. I feel like every step – here's the thing. I can't imagine him fighting uh, in the 30-foot cage that they had in Gano and Stipe in. Again, it's one of those where every step forward, you're like on the other side of the ring. (laughs) Yeah, it's so small. You know? Um yeah, no, there, there's a lot to like about 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 Johnny Walker, and uh, I've been super high on this guy. I've been kind of waiting for him to get some big, to get some name competition, and it didn't go great, honestly. Again, the 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 Corey Anderson fight was, you know, he got clipped, and and he he lasted a lot longer than he should have after he got clipped. Um, but it was it was super disappointing because it was like, hey, here's a step to a step. And he kind of stumbled on those steps, you know. Again, pulled this this the the Ryan Span fight out, which was was awesome. Yep. Uh, and again, when you look at him and you look at Yuri Prohaska and you look at the creativity 
to be this size, to be this athletic, again, I think to beat a guy like John Jones, if again, if that happens for either of these guys, or at least in the short term, to beat Jan Blahovich, these guys got what it takes. I mean, it's it's that creative uh, bit of fighting. Um, yeah, big things. I'm with you on that. I'm glad, I'm glad you and I are on the same page with Johnny Walker. I, I love this kid. I, me too, bro. It's like, like it, it people, the reason I tell people, look at Johnny Walker, right? Look, I sometimes I'll talk to casuals on Twitter, right? And they'll go, you know, what do you think about this guy, right? And then when people ask me about Johnny Walker, which is like only been twice in my life have I ever been asked about him. I, this is what I say. If you like just going on YouTube and just finding highlights, this is the guy to watch. And they go, what do you mean? And I'm like, the way he fights is almost like a highlight reel the entire fight. Because of his, like you said, creativity is the perfect way to put it. This dude fights. The best way I can describe it, if if, if you'll indulge me with boxing, like Manny Pacquiao. Manny Pacquiao hits you from unfathomable angle. Well, prime Pacquiao, let me, because he just, prime Pacquiao, right? He will hit you from unfathomable angles where you're like, that takes savvy. That takes like a, a, a type of, that's like a craft in and of itself. And that's how Johnny Walker fights. Like, he does this thing where he'll swing, miss, hit you with a spinning back fist. And as soon as he's looking at you again, he's hitting you with a spinning knee, only to, to try to do a guillotine. If he can't get it, as soon as he's fit, his feet land, he'll then keep kneeing you. And all of a sudden, he's like flinging you. And it's like the stamina you have to do all those moves, fling a guy, and then just – and then try it again is like is, – is, it, 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 shouldn't, it shouldn't be possible. It should be like, I'm going to tell you right now, there are three guys in the UFC who I think should be tested every single day of their lives. Obviously, John Jones, but that I'm, I, I'm excluding him. Yuri Prohaskin, he's one that he needs to be because the power he has is like, no, like that, that, that cannot be real. Johnny Walker. And him is not really like a, like a PED test. We got to give this guy a mental test, right? We need to see where he's at. And then afterward, when he passes away, we need to take his brain and, like, figure out how we can inject genius from it. Because Johnny Walker is a low-key genius. I just think he's, like, a little too out there for people to fully accept it. And then the last one, Cyril Gunn. Like, these three guys, the way they – and imagine this. These three guys, if you were to ask anybody about them, Six months ago, Joe, no, the cat, nobody would have said nothing unless you watched them and you, you kind of, you know, knew about them. But, like, those three guys have, like, you know, the creativity and the savvy to dominate. Look, I love Francis Ngannou, but I think Cyril Ghosn is going to take that win. I genuinely do because he's got, he's the complete package. He genuinely is. Like, um, Yuri, I think he has the potential. Like, if him and Jan ever meet, I'm scared for Jan. And same thing with Johnny Walker. If Johnny Walker and Jan um, Blahovich ever meet, I'm scared. Like, I'm I'm 100% nervous about that. So, honestly, I'm very high on Johnny Walker. I like the guy. He's very creative. It, it, I don't think I've ever watched this fight and been bored. Like, Joe, if I'm wrong, let me know. I don't think no, there's ever you're been. You're definitely right. Right, like there's never been a boring 
Johnny Walker fight. Like, I can say there's been a boring um, uh, uh, Chael Sonnen fight. I can say there's been a boring Anderson Silva fight. Uh, Tito Ortiz, Chuck Liddell, Rampage Jackson, Vanderlei Silva, um, Bigfoot Silva. There's a lot of guys you can name and say, you know, they had a boring fight. Johnny Walker has never, in my opinion, and Joe, I'm, I, I'm glad you agree with me, I don't think he's ever had a boring fight. And, no, it would be impossible for him to have a boring fight. Right, and like he's he's, he's fought 23 times. If you're going to fight 23 times and not have a boring fight, you're doing something right. But yeah, yeah, man, I mean, it's whew. I just can't wait. So you said a second round. I'm going to go third. I do think the first round is going to be a bloodbath, like you said. I think round two is when you see Santos kind of feeling it a little bit. But Santos has a chin, so I'll, I'll, I, th- I think he'll be able to wear it through. I think at the beginning of the third, about like the first minute of the third round, I think he's not going to have enough recovery time. I think on the bench you're going to be telling Santos, hey, yo, bro, go for the takedowns because, you know, on the feet you're getting pieced up. We need to change the game plan, go to the ground. And I think when he does that, Johnny Walker's going to peep it. He's going to go for one takedown. He's going to miss it. And then he's going to try to time the second one. And Walker's going to be one step ahead of him. And he's just going to, like, concave his freaking nose with a knee. And, like, he's going to do that. And then he's just going to go in the middle of the ring and start shaking his hips again. He's going to be like like that. like. And I'm telling you, Johnny, if you're watching, please be watching. If you rotate your hips, I know you heard your boy. Final uh, thought on Johnny Walker. Uh, I hope he's dropped the worm from his celebratory repertoire. It cost him almost a year uh, after he popped his freaking shoulder out like a ding dong. Uh, I love the guy. Again, I, I love I love watching him <laughs> celebrate. Can't hurt yourself doing the worm, baby. Can't do it. But he's definitely going to be doing something after this fight with Santos. I definitely feel that way. Yeah, 100%. And real quick, I'm glad you brought up Manny Pacquiao. Obviously, Manny Pacquiao is retiring. Yep. Uh, his last couple of performances, it's time. He yes. uh, was just nominated last week uh, by his party to run for the president of the Philippines. Um, I think one of the greats of all time. Yes. And, um, uh, geez, I just, in my mind, uh, Pacquiao, Antonio Margarito will will forever live. Uh, it was one of my. That's one of my favorite fights. Mm-hmm. I, Manny Pacquiao is unofficially a Hispanic hero. Him and Sugar Shane Mosley are uh, like unofficial Hispanic heroes. My favorite fart. My fart. My favorite fight was the rematch of Cotto Margarito, and it's just because you can see the difference. Like, you can genuinely see another fight I like that's like, flies under the radar. Canelo Alvarez versus Amir Khan. When he hit him and, like, Amir Khan's arm started doing the Conor McGregor. And he started kind of was like, was all noodle hard that drop? I will say this, that I love that fight. Um, anything Zab Judah does is hilarious. I, I Anything, like, you know, he de- he's, he's definitely an entertaining guy. But, yeah, no, I'm glad Manny kind of looked in the mirror, understood I can fight. But I can't fight at that elite level, so there's no reason for me to be doing this anymore. You know, like, I'm glad he understood that. It came to him. He understood. He accepted it. And he's like, you know what? Look, the guy's a singer and a politician. 
you're not going to be boring, Manny. Like, you're not going to be bored. Like, you still got stuff you can do in your life. So, you know, he's hats off to him. You know, phenomenal guy. I cannot wait for Canelo versus uh, Caleb Plant. Next time I get you here, I definitely want to get your thoughts on that because Canelo already won. I don't care what anybody says. Like, when he pieced him up in that press conference and Caleb Plant was like, oh, my God, I'm okay. Like, nah, bro, you're bleeding. He's like, I'm bleeding? He's like, bro, you got pieced up. I got one more thing for you. Got to correct something you said earlier. You said Amanda Nunez was the best uh, female fighter in the world. And unfortunately, no, she is. the person that's that she's beaten Valentina Shevchenko twice. Yes. I think Valentina easily won that second fight. I definitely think there needs to be a trilogy. And don't forget, we're talking pound for pound. Valentina Shevchenko. Is better. Walks around a, a buck thirty-five. Amanda Nunez walks walk around rates about two hundred five. I understand. That is a that's a matter. big girl right there. That doesn't so matter, now, Joe. That in doesn't that matter. Second fight. And that, that second matter. fight. That, that second fight. And that second fight. Bullet had her. I mean, she was giving it to the lioness like nobody, yeah. like nobody's was, ever done. You're right. It you're was. Right. It was tight. Now listen. Where did you and I really? Where did where did this start, you and me? This started with Victoria and Adesanya. Yeah, right? that's what I'm saying. I told you the same thing there. I, I might have been wrong about Izzy and Victoria, <laughs> but I'm not wrong about this one. I think Shevchenko and Nunez, number three, that's the redemption fight. It's the literally that's when that's when when uh, Amanda Nunez will officially hand women's MMA over to Valentina Shevchenko. I, I'll be honest with you. I do want to see that trilogy. I really do. Because I want Amanda Nunes, right, to just beat the bricks off this girl, right? And then when Valentina Shevchenko, when she does that little that little dance in the middle, I want Amanda Nunes to do it above her prone body. And then after that, I want her to roar. Because you, you can't be called the lioness and not roar. I need your roar one time. And if you do it, like, like you know what I mean? Like, look. I don't understand. Me personally, I feel like Valentina doesn't want that fight. I, I don't think she, she does. wants it. Because, Joe, if she wanted it, she would have been called her out. She would have been called her out. Now, I, now hold on. Time out. But let me clarify. I'm not saying she's pulling a Chris Cyborg and he's scared of a mid. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I think the weight is kind of where they're at an impasse. I think... I don't think she wants, you know what I mean? I think they kind of want to find a different weight class. So that way, you know, which I don't blame her. If, you know, if, if, if I lose to you, you know, like I'm going to do everything in my power to change it up, you know? But again, Amanda Nunez, the, and I'm not even saying she's the greatest women's fighter of all time. I'm, I, she is the GOAT. Like, you can keep her John Jones and, and your Habib Nurmagomedov. George St. Pierre never existed in my world. Conor McGregor is all talk. Uh, 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 Dustin Poirier is a scrub. Amanda Nunez is my GOAT forever. She's my Tom Brady. Like, whenever I say Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr., just do a quick blink and just think of Amanda Nunez sitting there with both belts. Both. Let me tell you something. Amanda Nunez is Peyton Manning. Valentina Shevchenko is Tom Brady. How disrespectful. No, Peyton's great. Why would you say disrespectful? But because Amanda's the. Let me ask you something. Let me ask you a question, Joe. Let me ask you a question, Joe. Let me ask you a question. If I tell you you're the second best, but you're better than the person who's the best, wouldn't you say that they take that as disrespect? That's a slight. No, 
you were the best. She and is. You were the best for a long time. And, Yo, and, you misspoke. And, you misspoke. She is the best. She was definitely she the best. <laughs> the best. The best fighter. I think the best pound for pound fighter in MMA. Period. Men or women, as you just said. I would have Valentina at one. I would have Kamaru Usman number two, and I would have Nunez number three. We, pound we for flip. pound. We got to flip. Pound for pound. Here's the thing. Did you did you did you watch the 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 Shevchenko Murphy fight? But even See, better, no, even, that's that's not even fair because Murphy didn't even deserve to be in that in, in the octagon with her. I will Nonsense. say that to my dying breath. Nonsense. Now listen. My favorite part was if you saw uh, after the fight, Murphy didn't say anything. She released a statement on Monday. Yeah. And she expressed uh, disappointment in her yeah. performance, let down the fans, let everybody down. She said, I went in there with a gate with a great game plan, but I couldn't execute it because I kept getting punched in the face. I read that. I was like, oh, I mean, it was what Valentina Shevchenko <laughs> did. And here's the thing. And, and I love this. Her previous fight against Jessica Andrade, everybody said Andrade's only chance is if she takes Valentina down. And you know what Valentina did? Valentina wrestled her yes. all over the place. I remember Valentina Shevchenko it. can do anything. I don't know if you know this. In addition to the super sexy dancing, she's also a weapons specialist. Yeah. There's I, I, video yeah. of Valentina like, yes. Yes. oh, yes. I saw a video. I saw a video of her. I can't remember what she was firing, but it, it had power and you could hear it. And she didn't even budge. And I was like, 100% she's killed somebody. Like, oh, yeah. like, like, I'm like, she's a female. I'm, I'm like, she's a female <laughs> Mirko Crow Cop. Like, these, like, they've killed people. Like, I'm 100%. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, look, I'm not saying Valentina Chevchenko's trash. Don't get it wrong. You know, I'm not saying that. But when we're comparing her to Amanda Nunes, we're comparing a queen. To, you know, the distant cousin, you know, like, yeah, sure, they're royalty, but, you know, they don't really run anything. You know what I mean? And that's what Valentina Shevchenko is. I do want to see that tri trilogy fight because I will listen, see I'll say this, too. I wish Amanda Nunes would have knocked out Ronda Rousey before Ronda's downfall. That would have been yeah. better. Yeah, that would have been better for me. I, I, do, I agree with you there. I definitely do agree with you there where it, 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 it was great that she did it, but if she had done it before she lost to Holly Holm, because yeah. like, look, because listen. And, I, and, and pride, I'll say this. I think she would have. I do. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I yes, do yes. think she would have. But I for her resume. That's how it would have happened. Yeah, like if, if in terms of her resume, because think about it. When you go and ask people, yo, who knocked out Ronda Rousey? People go, uh, Amanda? And it's like, yeah, but do you know who did it before? Not a lot of people remember it was Holly Holm. Because Holly Holm literally lost it in her next defense. If I'm not mistaken, she literally, she, they literally hot potatoed it. And then, you know, so it's like, I, I'm with you. I do wish, because I will say this, I always thought uh, Ronda Rousey was overhyped. And I think, I think that got to her because I'm like, bro, you are arguably one of the best judo practitioners in the world. Why are you listening to your idiot of a coach and trying to bang with people? Like, bro, Damien Maya did the same thing, got pieced up, and he was like, I'm not that guy. And then he went back to his groundwork. So it's like, what are you doing? Why? I, I just never understood that. 
she's never coming back. And it, it's hey, listen, I feel I, it's funny. Uh, Paulo Costa is a black belt in Brazilian jiu jitsu. He and wants to, to, watch, to watch any of his fights, you wouldn't know that. I Ooh. always joke, I'm like, he got that belt to hold up his pants. Yes. It, it, I don't, I don't for the life of me understand. And here's the thing about Paulo Costa. You're not that great of a striker. Nope. nope. You're just not that great at it. Nope. And he's that Brazilian jiu-jitsu you learned in Brazil. Come on. It's like, the best it, kind. Exactly. And it, it's like, and it's crazy because if you really look at it, right, this is the part that blows my mind. You know who else is a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and you wouldn't know? Tony Ferguson. Did you know that, Joe? Yeah, I did. I didn't know that. I, I had did. to it because I did. Never uses it. You know what? Yeah, I was just going to say, the only reason I know that was because I saw that, and I was like, why doesn't he ever do it? I don't understand that. Like, what is right. wrong with these guys? I've never understood that either. And Pride, if I knew Brazilian jiu-jitsu, I, I would it. be submitting people on the street yeah. every day. I would just go up. Oh. You. Yes, 100%. For no reason awesome. whatsoever. Yes. And, I, and speaking of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, Alexander Volkanovsky um, died, just completely obliterated Brian Ortega, which I kind of saw coming. Just real quick, because I I know I we, this I know we should have wrapped it up a while ago, but it's just funny. It just started getting interesting. I just want to hear real quick your thoughts on it, and is it possible to say that we've been disrespecting Alexander Volkanovsky? For far too long. So let me point something out, much like with my Mac Jones take. I'm going to start by saying I'm a Max Holloway is my favorite fighter. Yes, I'm he's my favorite. number one. I, I love Max Holloway more than anybody else. Volkanovski won both fights and they were razor thin. I think Volkanovski won both fights. I, I, I can say that as a guy who really is a Max Holloway fan. Here's the funny part now. Tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock on Throwing Jabs, as you mentioned earlier, um, we're going to be unveiling Jace Garcia's head. I saw it. <laughs> now, here's the thing. I explained for about 10 minutes the other day why Alexander Volkanovsky had a 100% chance of beating Brian Ortega. And my logic was simple, okay? Max Holloway's amazing he's a great fighter yes, yes. and twice in a row volkanovsky was a little bit better than great yep when max holloway and brian or ortega fought a couple of years ago uh ortega took 18 months off after the fight to heal from Man, all of the broken bad. bones in his face yes. and body it was it was bad. one of the worst beatings i've ever seen in my life 100%. And I thought to myself, and I explained this to Jace, dude, if he can't beat Max Holloway and Max inflicted that kind of damage, he's got no chance against Volkanovski because Max is a slightly better striker. Volkanovski is a better all-around fighter. And as far as your takedowns, his defensive takedowns is amongst the tops of the game. What do you have? And here's the interesting and I, and I pointed this out to Jace the following day. There were two moments in that fight where Ortega had a half a chance. First, he got him in the guillotine. It's an yep. Ortega move. And it was tight. And Volkanovsky, 
because he's Ukrainian and insane. I guess he doesn't need to breathe. Doesn't need oxygen. They, yeah. normal humans. They can go. They can go 14, 15 minutes without air. Crazy. They're amazing. They only breathe from up here normal. Like he did not in any way, shape, or form panic or react to that. It was all right. Let me yep. get my, and then I'll get out of it. He then got put into a triangle choke. Same thing. Cool as a cucumber. He pulls himself out of it. Somehow Ortega's still lying on his back and then proceeds to eat punches from the top for about a minute and 20 seconds. I mean, it, that fight could not have gone any more like I said it was going to go. And so I here's what I did, Pride. I actually said no challenge was staked. No bet was offered. I said, I'm... S- <laughs> for those of you listening he's like he's he's releasing the locks right now you have to uh, you have to know something that when this pandemic started i had just shaved my head i shaved my head and my beard i was completely bald in february of 2020 this has all happened in the last since covid started this my hair is super long my beard is long and thick and I'm really enjoying the hell out of it. And I said, offered this up for no reason. I said, I'm so certain Volkanovsky beats Ortega. I will shave my head if he loses. And Jace, Jace took that as some weird challenge. And he said, well, I'll take Ortega. I said, okay. Jace, I just explained to you why you're going to have no hair on Monday. Like, what? <laughs> why? And he took the bet. It was the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, hundred percent. I look when when I, when I heard the fight, well, I immediately in my mind, I thought Ortega had a chance. I really did. I thought all you need to do, Ortega, be smart. You're gonna come out the first round. You're gonna get him to the ground. You're gonna use your Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And you're going to get a submission. I was like, if you do not do it in the first round, you're, you're, you're fucked. Because there's no way after. Because the, the reason I said you need him in the first round, you need to hit him with the element of surprise. And you need to hit him now. Like, if you wait for each second longer you last in there, that's two seconds longer of confidence that's going to be built up in Volk- Volkanovski. I just want to say one thing. Because people, people don't understand. The, the the gravity of that third round, which I believe is, is is the round of the year. I don't care what anybody says. I believe it's the round of the year. And a lot of people say, I, I posted up on my TikTok and I had someone comment who think that was the greatest round we saw of all time. And I was like, you know what? If you could put it in there. But I want to explain to people the gravity of how great and how much of a fucking savage Alexander Volkanovsky is. Like we said, Brian Ortega is, you know, he got a black belt Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He got that black belt from the legendary Gracie family. That is the equivalent of getting a driver's license in New York. That is the equivalent of going to a place that's that's like, okay, you can't smoke weed, right? South Carolina, you can't smoke weed, right? Not allowed. That is the equivalent of me somehow getting a weed card here. Like to get a to be blessed with a black belt from the Gracie family means you can go and teach Brazilian jiu-jitsu. 
Let, like, I'm going to say that one more time. You can teach Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So for him to have him in a guillotine and then a triangle in the same round and on top of that have Alexander Volkanovski get out and instead of backing out scared, was still in there and he was like throwing haymakers and he was like, look, I know there's a chance he can catch me again, but I love my chances of getting out of it. That's something that people don't fully understand. Like, he, Alexander Volkanovsky, literally went to Death's doorstep, knocked on the door, invited Death out for a drink. Because how long he was in there, a normal human being would have passed out. And the fact that not only he did it, but like you said, Joe, both times, he was as calm and cool as a cucumber. He was unfazed, and he was like, it don't matter. I'm chilling. The fight is going to continue. And when I saw his face, Joe, it reminded me of the, of the Holloway fight. And I do not be surprised if you do not see Brian Ortega for a long time. And dare I say, I think this is his final, his final chance, his final shot. Because in that third round, he gave it everything. His, like you said, that guillotine is an Ortega special. You couldn't win with that. And then a triangle, which he knows how to apply. That's something he works on. Couldn't get the job done. You threw two of your best shots. Kudos for him lasting the whole fight. But, Joe, I, I don't think he'll ever get another title shot. And I say that there's another 18 months we go without seeing Brian Ortega. Yeah, Brian Ortega should definitely uh, consider a full-time career teaching that uh, Gracie Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, here's the thing. Look, I think in every division, uh, and this uh, to me goes uh, in the boxing as well, you've got probably per division one or two elite guys. Yes. One or two guys that are A1, and then everyone else is A2 and down. You know, and you get your gatekeepers in the middle and your up-and-comers at the bottom. To me, Volkanovsky and Holloway are elite fighters. Uh, I don't think anybody could beat the two of them other than each other. Yes, you know, I agree. Uh, Brian Ortega probably could beat everybody four down. He could probably take any single one of those guys. I have no doubt about it. Um, his fight against Korean Zombie was fantastic. He looked great in that fight. He looked phenomenal. After that fight, I thought, He's still not beating Volkanovsky. There's no way. There just is no way. Um, and it's a shame. I mean, some some guys have the capabilities to get to elite level. Some guys don't. don't. And no. if you're not elite and you're fighting an elite guy now, look, crazy things happen once in a blue moon. We've seen upsets here and there. But when you're in the ring with an elite guy, it's going to take a miracle for you to win. And it was going to take a miracle for Brian Ortega to win that fight. A miracle. After 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 I told my wife what had happened, she was like, oh, my God, you mean you could have been bald? I said, oh, no, honey, there was zero chance Volkanovsky was losing. I mean, literally, I didn't have – there. I had no doubt in my mind. 100% I knew Volkanovsky would win the fight. I really did. I'll be honest with you, Joe, this – that fight was the only fight I was comfortable betting on. Like, and the thing is, is in the U, like, and not only just the UFC, but in sports in general, it's like a 
maybe this would to me was like and, and you're talking to a dude who every time dc fought john jones i pulled for dc right like i bet against him so it's like but even then i was like mm, in terms of money eh, I'm, I'm good this was the only fight that i was like 100 I, I i put money and i'm that confident because again like you said look brian ortega's good these guys are great like max holloway and volkanovsky they're great there's levels to it and unfortunately he just came, like you said, four down, he could beat him. All day, all day, every day, twice on Sunday, Ortega beats him. Those two guys, and he's just not he's in their dead. league. And 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 that's the conversation he needs to have to himself. Like, do I really want to fight if I really can't beat the top of the top? You know, so he should he consider retirement? I think so. Not to say he's a scrub, but if you can't beat the top guy, me personally, if I'm a fighter and I can't beat the top, top guys, I would either consider moving into another division or just retiring completely because what's the point? You know, like I, if I want to be the best, what's, what's the point of me doing that if I know in my heart I can't beat the best? Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm telling you, uh, uh, real quick, legit to me, like looking at the list, Right now, Flyweight, Davidson, Figueredo, and Brandon Moreno, I think are on a different level than everyone else on the list. Not even close. Yep. I think I think Peter Yan is the best bantamweight, and I'll be honest, I don't think it's close. Not and close. I, I don't think it matters who he fights in that division. I think he'll cream anybody. Yep. I think when it comes to lightweight, uh, I think Charles Oliveira is a great dude. To me, uh, it, it, it isn't even close that Dustin Poirier is the most elite fighter in that yeah. division now that Khabib is gone. There's not a, there's not, a, I don't think there's a close number two. And and I think Poirier will beat the bejesus out of Oliveira when that day comes. Yep. Kamaral Usman and Israel Adesanya have cleaned out their divisions. Yep. There I'm is, they are number one A. There is nobody else on that list that is worthy. And forget one A, it's just one. And then there's like two A, two yes. B, two C for there, Yeah, there, exactly. <laughs> you could start at two B, as a matter of fact. Hundred percent. I, I think when it comes to the light heavyweight division, I think it's wide open. I think again, you look at Jan Teixeira, Prohaska, Anthony Smith's been hot. We're mm -hmm. talking about Johnny Walker. I don't know that there's an elite guy in that division right now. It actually almost makes John Jones not being there. It makes it a better division, yeah, believe it or yeah, not. It it's a more competitive and better division because he's not there. I think when you get to heavyweight, I think you're talking about three elite guys in the heavyweight division and for different reasons. I right. think Nganu, Gon, and Majocic are yes. on a different level than anybody else in the heavyweight division. And again, I think those guys could only beat each other. Yes. And I honestly, and when I look at it, I just see like a weird rock, paper, scissors. Where I can see Nganu being Stipe, Stipe beating Gan, and Gan beating Nganu. Like, it, it's like a weird rock, paper, scissors, like, uh, scissors thing. So, I'm there with you, Joe. Like, uh, you know, I'll tell you what. Uh, 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 when it comes to those three guys, the matchup really does make the difference, you know. Literally. literally some like, some like, of those guys are definitely going to match up better. And I, I, I almost see what you're – I almost agree with that kind of him, him, and him. Yes. Uh, just the way, just the way things light up. But yeah, again, if you, if you look division by division, uh, you know, we could play the same game in boxing. 
there's a guy or two, maybe there's a third kind of, that's all you're getting per division. And mm-hmm. everyone else is a Brian Ortega. And, and, that, and, and we need those guys. And those, yeah, and like it, I said, those guys are great. Those guys are great, especially you're gonna have a you're gonna have an event every weekend. Yeah, you need those guys. You need the 100%. Ortegas. You could beat four through fifteen all day, every day, and I'll watch it. Hundred percent. And like I'm, I'm there with you. You did. You do need those guys. It's kind of like basketball, right? Not, not everyone is a LeBron James, but guess what? You need a Rondo coming off the bench. You need a Malik Monk coming off the. Bench. You do need that guy because you know, again, is he the best? No, but he still, he still has a vital role. So, 100% you know what? The, uh, to be honest, the NBA is made up of rondos. Hundred percent. It's made up of the role players yes. that help the LeBrons and the Giannis's get over the hump. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Those guys don't get enough uh, respect. Joe, thank you for spending some time with me, my guy. It, it's always fun when you're here. It's always. Well, you know, it's. We should say this. You and I had a phone conversation the other day because I. You know, in addition to recently being accused of loving Mac Jones too much, where I had to reveal, I'm not even a Patriots fan. I just really like this kid. Objectively think he's really great. You and I had a conversation about uh, my feelings for Marvin Vittori. And as I, as I told you, and I like to reveal this, I was not a Marvin Vittori fan before the first Adesanya fight. Mm-hmm. That's when I just, I was like, oh, this guy's amazing. And he totally beat Israel Adesanya. What the <laughs> hell? How did the, this guy's getting screwed. And Adesanya is the biggest star in the world now. And it was watching this guy after I'm pretty sure he beat Izzy in a three-round fight, have to chase him, work his way up where Izzy just catapulted to the top. He chased him down and was like, I'm going to kick your ass again. And I thought, that guy's going to do it. Uh, and he's like i said he seemingly and this was the other big thing a blueprint as we discussed the other night a blueprint is not a treasure map yep when i say this guy's got the blueprint to beat him what i mean is he has the skill set and he knows exactly what he has to do to beat him now it's up to him to execute it He's got to do the execution part. If it was a treasure map, that's different. That means he's just going to go right to getting it. That's not how this works. In the blueprint form, everything that Marvin Vittori does, and I'll put it to you like this. Jan Blahovitz beat Israel Adesanya with the strategy that Marvin Vittori couldn't use because at the end of the day, Jan's 30 pounds heavier than Adesanya. And... Vittori, who's a stronger guy than Izzy is. He is a stronger guy. He wasn't strong enough. Mm-hmm. He wasn't strong enough. If he had 30 pounds on Izzy, I think Vittori could have won both of the fights. Um, <laughs> that's, but that's not how this works. And right, so, right, yeah, right. It, it proved a lot to me. I Look, I thought, I thought the guy... And again, it wasn't... It's, people were like, because he's Italian. Like, he's not... He's not, that's like the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Um, you know what I mean? It's like, no, I like this guy because I, 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 I love the fact that Marvin Vittori went to 10 different gyms in Italy when he started training for MMA because there wasn't a single gym in Italy that, that taught all facets of MMA. Which so I respect the, that about him. I respect, I mean, this guy's dedication to the sport to learn it, to become great at it. He gets an opportunity early in both of their careers. 
I swear to God, I still say he beat Izzy in that fight, Pride. I do. I swear by it. Um, you know, to see him chase this guy down who's getting all the accolades in the world. And again, listen, I like Israel Adesanya more than I like Marvin Vittori. That's how much I like Izzy. I've watched a lot of Izzy's kickboxing fights. That's how much I like Israel Adesanya. I'm a big fan. I just felt like this was the guy that had the motivation the background had already given him the best fight of his life. Did, no yes. reason to think he couldn't pull it off. And I was wrong. He just isn't strong enough at the end of the day. Say that one more time. You were what? I was wrong. I could I listen. No, I no, no. Admit, it, it, it's not to say that you can admit it. It's just me when people are wrong. I just love to hear it. Well, no, you no, I was wrong. I, I, I was wrong. I was wrong, but I was right in the sense that if anybody was going <laughs> to do it, he had <laughs> He had everything he yes. needed to do to go in there and win that fight, and he and he failed. And I, and I'll say this: I don't ever see Marvin Vittori getting in position to get a title shot again. Quite frankly, never again. Honestly, he he's has a boring. Chance. You want to talk about boring fighters? Boring. Marvin it's Vittori boring. is a snooze fest. Yep. But I thought that snooze fest. Had a, had a legit chance. I mean, I'll I give it to that you. Would do it. He did have the best chance because, like you said, he had it all. He did. He definitely did have it all. By the way, um, I don't know if you keep up with Bellator. Um, Michael Venom Page. Um, he beat Douglas Lima um, by split decision, which kind of shocked me because I thought it would go the same as the first fight. I really thought Lima would win. But it is good for MVP. I, by the way, I love how he calls him that, Michael. But I love how he calls him MVP. It is good for him to avenge that because a lot of people held that against him. A lot of people were looking at Michael Vitter Page differently because of that loss. I'm just glad he was able to avenge it and uh, prove that you know that he's he's still elite. You know, because yeah. you know he's definitely still elite. But that's a whole another conversation for another day. Joe, it's always a treasure when you're here. It's always a treasure. Um, you will be hearing from me. If the Yankees lose, if not, have a good night. You know how it yes, goes. Sir. <laughs> Dude, thanks for having me on. It was a blast. Uh, and I and I love the show. Super I excited for it. you. I appreciate it, Joe. Whenever you feel whenever you want to come, please feel free. I am a I'm I'm a loner. So I always have room for you, Joe. Follow me on Twitter at Prideful Takes. I talk about news, my opinions. I'll even argue with some of you people. That's like my favorite pastime on Twitter. By the way, Joe. Get on Twitter and, like, live on it because you will find the funniest people on Twitter, I'm telling you. Catch us on Facebook at Prideful Takes. Um, every every Wednesday night, Thursday in the morning, I'm doing my pickums for the NFL season. Um, I'm doing solid. I'm doing better than, than, the, than the Jets. So I, I think that's my litmus test. And as long as I'm not doing as bad as them, I'm proud of myself. We're also on YouTube. If you don't have Facebook, at Prideful Takes. You can everything live, and if you guys want to comment, feel free. I have no problem uh, putting it up there. Visit my website, www.pridefultakes.com. Not only is every episode there, but we also have original articles, so that way if my voice is annoying, you can still read and get my opinions on stuff. And by the way, I know I'm ugly, right? Like, this is a problem. My, my fiance is only with me because we got two kids. Like, without the kids, she probably went out the door. I trapped her. Right, Joe, I trapped Smart move. So, exactly. You know, like, it, <laughs> it's a chess move. So if you want, check us out on Spotify at the Prideful Takes Podcast. Every day after the episode airs live, that's why I put it on Spotify. Joe, it's been a pleasure. Same. And I'm going to need you here again 
when the Yankees get eliminated, you're my guy to call. I'm, I I, every every Yankees fan I know, I'm dragging them in here, and I'm just gonna laugh. I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna laugh, and I'm just gonna make sure I can. If if the Red Sox don't make it, I won't bother you. But tonight, Joe, you might get a phone call from me. Yeah, I look forward to it. And listen, when the Yankees win the World Series, I'm gonna host the show. I'll make you. I'll make, I'll make, <laughs> I will take you up on that, Joe. I will take you up that? on that. I'll take yeah. you up on that. And, I'll, host, in return, I'll host prideful takes the day after the Yankees win the World Series. In return, in return, when the Yankees lose, I get to hold, host the roll call, roll call podcast. You need to be there, and we're gonna have some fun, Joe. All we're right. gonna have some fun. Is that a deal? Let's do it. Let's do it. I got you. So when you I guys pretty lose, confident. You guys are not even going to make the World Series. So I'm good. This is great. Ladies and gentlemen, the Roll Call Podcast. When I get to host it, <laughs> it's going to be a ball. Your boy, Price signing off. Joe Aguirre, appreciate you being here. And uh, like he said, Tuesday, uh, tomorrow, 10 in the morning, throwing jabs. Guys, check it out. It's hilarious and it's insightful. They talk about the fight game top to bottom. It's not just UFC. They talk about it all. So if you like fighting, that's the podcast. You want to check them out on Facebook. Joe, it's been an honor. Appreciate it's great you. to have you here, and I want to get you on throwing jabs soon too. I think we could have some some great conversation there as well. Whenever you want, I'll be there. Sounds good. All right, take care, guys. We we'll see you on the next one. Knew where that was going. That was a great read. Ooh, Lillard from the logo battle. Quiet the two on the season. Second and one for the Bills. The handle the rush. Allen looking. It's out. Two to Shohei Otani. Center field. Let's watch it go. Did several of those inside low kicks.